Welcome to Freaks and Creeks, a Dawson's Creek podcast. The show where four millennials who missed the boat 25 years ago take the dive, splash, for the first time. Join us as we experience the series with a fresh perspective week to week and see if our adolescent experiences match up with Dawson and the gang. My name is Cody. I'm Stella. I'm Mallory. And I am James. And this week... We're going to be talking about season two, episode two, Crossroads. But before that, how is everybody doing? Wow. So good. Crossroads, not to be confused with the Britney Spears yes. film of the same name. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I haven't thought about that one in a while. I thought about that, but it came out later. Should we talk about that instead? I, we could. <laughs> Should we just talk about Britney Spears yeah. instead? <laughs> Let's do that. Bow, 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 Britney, watch. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, listeners, write us in with emails about what you think about her Instagram posts. Yes, please. <laughs> Is uh, ChatGPT writing her uh, <laughs> statuses? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Poor Brittany. Poor Brittany. Well, I don't think we really have anything to talk about right now, do we? Am I mistaken? No, unfortunately not, because no one has written us in what feels like a lifetime. Where where are those letters, <laughs> listeners? We want to read them on the air. We will tell everybody <laughs> your name, first name, middle name, last name. We'll Address. say where you're from. Exactly. We're going to give your birth certificate information. We're going to read uh, your credit card information because, listeners, uh, I don't know if you've ever used our uh, f- form fill response thing on our website, but it asks for your social security <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, your last two W-2s. Yes. Asks for your fingerprints, access to your devices, all of that kind of stuff. I don't know why more people aren't submitting these forms. <laughs> but I guess that's a good uh, reminder for people out there. We are recording this uh, before episode one has released. So um, be, please feel free to email us if you want to have any emails read in the beginning of the show at show at freaksandcreeks.com or throw them at the wall like wet spaghetti. If they stick, we will get them. If it doesn't stick, we're not going to know your message. So just keep trying until it sticks on the wall, right? That's how they used to tell if you were a witch or not. They threw you at the wall? <laughs> they threw spaghetti at the wall. Oh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, for those who Makes haven't sense. seen uh, the Robert Eggers movie, The Witch, a lot of spaghetti thrown at the wall in that movie. <laughs> how, did, how did everyone feel about this episode? I loved it. Personally, this was um, probably one of my favorites so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I loved it too. Um, I thought there were a lot of good confrontational exchanges happening between characters, a lot of honesty um, between characters by the end of the episode. Uh, most of the characters to me are starting to feel more like real people a little bit, uh, especially Mitch and Gail, which I think the title Crossroads closely relates to because they're kind of at a crossroads in their marriage trying to kind of decide what totally. to do. And um, I thought they, you know, there was kind of more of their storyline happening. So that was nice. Um yeah, I thought it was interesting the way that they paralleled Mitch and Gale at a crossroads with Joey and Dawson kind of coming towards a crossroads mm-hmm. and then, you know, also potentially Pacey and Andy at a crossroads. Yeah. Everybody's kind of at these different forks in the road. On the Dawson note, though, I really didn't like like his continued self-centeredness and like lack oh. of character development. He's There's oh, still yeah. like nothing happening there. We will talk yes. about that for sure. Yeah. Also yeah. wasn't a fan of Abby using Jen to solve her own boredom while, while Jen's in such <laughs> a vulnerable state. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the one thing that I was a little bit surprised to see in season two is that in season one, they made a lot of just interesting character choices where they're like, yeah, this is the way the character is going to be now. 
I was expecting that not to happen in season two anymore, but I felt like they made a decision with Abby in this episode yeah. where they're just like, yeah, she's a mean girl, like a, a really bad one now. Let's make her even worse. She was kind of like an outcast before. Now she's just downright mean. Yeah, I mean, she seems like a, she's always seemed like a mustachioed villain right. to me, uh, but it seems like in season one, she was a, a clown. Like, no, I didn't really take her seriously, but right. in this, it felt a little more... Um, mean spirited i would yes. say yeah. like there there's something that's kind of dark about it even though Impish, kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah like i don't really know what it is but so far uh kind of getting sad about it a little bit because i think yeah. abby is one of my favorite characters in the show just because of how clownish she is yeah. but now she's just becoming a mean girl and i don't know how i still feel about that but she's still mm-hmm. my hero my personal hero i love her she's uh the the queen <laughs> of my heart not just, andy just kidding that's andy, oh. andy just don't <laughs> yeah. tell abby that andy is my favorite now okay i'm scared of what she'll do to me uh i love this episode i think it is my favorite episode so far and i feel extremely excited about moving forward. I, th- I feel like this just like was like a launch mm-hmm. yeah. going in the right direction. Like I feel like everything's about to change. Yeah. A lot Crossroads. of good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think this episode is a little better than okay. I think we're in a positive trajectory. I mean, like I said in our last episode, this is better than season one. Uh, but for me, I think as an episode of TV, uh, I don't really think the wharf worked for me is a set piece. And I think spending half of this entire episode taking place where I, I didn't really seem like they thought this through. Like they're like, Oh cool. We can shoot in this area. But most of the action takes place walking back and forth on like one little (laughs) sidewalk. So that's not very exciting television to me. Like some of the character beats are pretty good in this episode. I, I, I really like that. Um, for a second, I was very scared that the relationship, uh, well, this argument between Dawson and Joey about reading the diary, I was like, God damn it, are we going to have something that's going to last like eight episodes yeah. and this is going to be the central discussion of every episode? But no, this ain't season one, baby. It was wrapped up a little too quickly for me, mm-hmm. but I'm just so happy that it was wrapped up and hopefully they never talk about it again. Yeah. If this was season one, it'd be like just them brooding in separate areas and then they wouldn't even discuss it and then it would be carried over five episodes. Uh, it's true. But that felt good. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that they were able to get this as a one and done. I'm sure we'll be feeling the ramifications of this episode, I, I imagine, for a while. But at least it won't be just that's the only thing we are going to be talking about forever. Yeah, it felt good. The writing it wasn't as consistent to me as the last episode was. But like, I'm still feeling pretty good about this. But y'all, a uh, new character alert. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, everyone is like, oh, who's this Jack boy? It's a little he, tease of a new character. Yeah, we're like, getting a little bit of Jack, but more importantly, who's this daddy named Cole oh. working at the fishery? <laughs> a fuck boy all grown up. This guy absolutely rules. I hope he's oh a new gosh. character yeah. staple. I hope he eventually becomes the main character because I loved every second of him on this screen. Cannot wait to talk about Cole a little bit more. Well, yeah. All right. Well, we are talking about, as we already have been talking about season two, episode two crossroads. This episode was released on October 14th of 1998. And I'm sure you've guessed it, but the episode revolves around Dawson's preoccupation with Joey, causing him to forget about Pacey's big 16th birthday. Boo. Yeah. What a bummer. I I mean, I, maybe this is why I don't throw myself birthday parties, but um, this is like a nightmare. 
you know, nobody knowing your birthday, nobody like the people you really care about not recognizing your birthday, and then you throw yourself a party and it's terrible. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I ha- I actively try not to celebrate my birthday because any time that I have in the past tried to celebrate my birthday uh, falls flat on my face. So as an adult, it's just like, yeah, it's just any other day. And if I give it any importance, then I'm going to end up uh, like Pacey running around a boardwalk with uh, <laughs> with hot teens spilling beer on my body and then yeah. feeling bad about myself. Yeah, what are your guys' thoughts on birthdays? We just got Cody's thoughts now, Stella, yeah, how do you I mean, feel it definitely it? stresses me out trying to plan plan things for my birthday. But then my friends are like, "What are we doing for your birthday?" What you know? And yeah. it's like, okay, like so much pressure. You know, yeah. There's a lot of pressure, definitely. And it's I like, just like to go eat good food and do you know? Like I think for my like mine's coming up, for example, right. and we're probably gonna go birding. When you say "were," does that mean all the listeners? Oh, <laughs> yes, everyone, come birding with us. <laughs> yes, please. Bring your binoculars. <laughs> <laughs> Dress up like a bird. <laughs> Yeah, I have mixed feelings about birthdays. I think there's always, at least for me, there's always some level of like sadness or disappointment. Um, But I like doing something fun and festive. I feel like Cody and I always go away for the weekend, which is nice. Like I like making it. Like I don't work on my birthday. Mm. I know some people that do and I'm just like, what? No, like, yeah, again, take care of yourself. Do some fun stuff. More importantly, do you remember what you did for your 16th birthday? Oh, baby. 16th. Yes. Oh, no. man. I had like a um, sort of surprise party. Um, I can't remember why it was sort of surprise. I don't know. But I do Did remember. Did you get a concussion? <laughs> <laughs> I do remember coming home and there being friends at my house. And then I think we all went to Montage. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Which is nice. a. Well, it doesn't. It sort of exists. It used to be this restaurant under a bridge in Portland. Now there's a food cart. Um, <laughs> but I love that being the yeah. descriptor of this. Re- it's, it's just a restaurant under a bridge. <laughs> you know, like there's trolls under a bridge. Yeah. Well, there's this restaurant under a bridge. If you're a local Portlander, it's like what when you were a teenager, you thought like that's like yeah. a fancy, cool restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it was so cool because it was like open really late, mm-hmm. and it was like dark and moody, and they served alligator, they served frog legs. Yeah, they serve like all sorts of fun food and like different. Types of mac and cheese, which was the best. Oh, do you remember the the when you foil? get yes, yeah. Oh, so yeah. they would wrap your leftovers <laughs> in foil, but they would make these like cool, uh, like sculptures, like an animal or a flower, yeah, like a giraffe. Mine was always I got a giraffe and a swan. I always remember long necked shit, you know. Yeah. So having my 16th birthday party there, I felt <laughs> super sick. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I was bet. like, I'm so cool. Uh, Just imagining if uh, I feel like. Mostly me and James, if we worked there and they forced us to make like a thing, we'd just make like a worm. <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't know what to do with this uh, one. Long cylinder here. Uh, I got a swan. I got a dinosaur. I got a, a snake. I hope, th- I hope that's a snake. <laughs> what did you do for your 16th birthday, Cody? Uh, th- three weeks before my 16th birthday, uh, the Nirvana with the lights out box set came out, which is like all their uh, unreleased B sides and rarities. And I was a big Nirvana kid Mm. and I got that for my birthday and I did not have a birthday party. And instead I (laughs) sat in my room and just (laughs) listened to that box set. And it was really cool. That sounds really cool. Did you get your license at 16? No, I did not get my driver's license until I was 18. (laughs) I I think me too. I didn't get my license until 18. I failed my permit test like five times. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I'm not good at studying, so yeah, it's my ADD. And it's also because I'm a moron. You and Pacey have something in common. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Pacey. <laughs> uh, I, I believe I was wearing a bowling shirt then. Too. 
What about good times? I actually don't remember. I'm trying like racking my brain right now, and I cannot remember what I did on my I, 16th birthday. I know I, I, I probably had a party with some friends. Had my yeah, license, and yeah. You know. Did you get your license on your 16th birthday? Yeah, nice. I think yeah. I did. Yeah, I, I mean, I know mom, I got it when I was 16. But yeah, mom took me to the DMV. I waited in line. Felt very adult, you know. <laughs> That's fine. What a good time. Unlike Pacey, poor guy. Poor guy. Anyway, back to this episode. So, yeah, um, written by Dana Barada. We mentioned them last episode and directed by a new name. I'm curious if y'all know this person, Denny Gordon. No, I always just assume that it's just going to be like a, some, yeah. If you're a TV director, exactly. you're just like interchangeable and you pretty right. much just like work for the studio. So. What an interesting career that person probably had. And they got to work on this amazing episode of Dawson's Creek, which, as we mentioned, we introduce another new character. I'm so happy to meet Jack. Uh, yeah, Jack, Andy's brother, um, don't look related to me at all. Do you guys think they're related? He, uh, I wanted to get into this a little later, but he, to me, looks like the male version of Joey. Oh, mm-hmm. like he has like, like he's a white guy with like a little like olive skin mm-hmm. tone. He's skinny, um, a little sassy. Like yeah. if you told me that they were siblings, I'd believe it. Yeah, I, I believe that a lot more than him and Andy. Yeah, because Andy is uh, uh, she looks Irish as hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, it's that time, huh? After Dawson and Joey are caught playing tonsil hockey in Dawson's room, Mitch and Gail can't stop giving them sex advice, all while contemplating their own relationship. Dawson and Joey, Doey, Dawson, are so infatuated (laughs) with one another that Dawson completely forgets about Pacey's 16th birthday and their initial plans to go to Maine to celebrate. Having just failed his driver's license test and wanting to vent, Pacey talks to a very depressed Jen who encourages him to go celebrate and live his life as she knows all too well what it's like to get forgotten about by Dawson. Later, Jen hangs out with my personal hero, Abby Morgan, on the bleachers during gym. After a back and forth over the ways they got of having to exercise that day, Abby becomes enticed over Jen's New York experiences and wants her to dish out all the hot goss. (laughs) Meanwhile, at Joey's, Dawson proclaims during an intimate canoodle that he loves that he already knows 100% everything about her. When Joey leaves the room to check on a crying baby Alex, Dawson takes a gross little whiff from her perfume bottle before popping open her diary. His face becomes sullen, and when Joey comes back to the room, he abruptly makes an excuse to leave and exits, leaving Joey confused and sad. Oops, I pooped my pants. Oops, I pooped my pants. Wow. So with the the first scene when Joey and Dawson are making out, do we think that this is... They're Dawson's parents' first time figuring out that they're in a relationship. I I feel like it has to based off of their reaction because, like, their (laughs) Gail looks mortified. Well, their jaws, it was like jaws dropped. Like, yeah. (laughs) That surprised? Let's listen to this really quick. (laughs) I I capped this because I just, I, I couldn't wrap my mind around it. Let's take a listen. Uh, mom and dad. Hey, um, you, re- you remember Joey, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's my reaction to my parents in my bedroom while I'm making out with my girlfriend, and they are just staring at me. It's like, oh, hi, guys. <laughs> How's it going? How's your day? I can't believe they didn't even have the door closed. I know. 
I'm surprised that there wasn't a record scratch and then Dawson being like, you're probably wondering how I got here. Yeah, (laughs) It felt like that's what we were getting. It's just very odd, but we have to talk about what they're watching on the TV. This is a boner euphemism, right? It has to be. Yeah, you know that they were all like, this will be so silly. Let's put this in the, you know, like the writers. Let's put a sausage infomercial (laughs) going while they're making out. Like, why? Why? I don't... So the infomercial is selling a product that you would put yes. uh, loose meat into, and it would create a sausage. Is that how it's yes. happening? And okay. uh, also pasta. My, so yeah, and pasta. this I watching this. I thought of my grandpa because he used to make sausage. He had his own sausage maker, and it was probably this one. And you just <laughs> yeah, it's a you have the casing, and then yeah. you crank the meat into it, and yeah. And I actually looked up a little bit about this this. Uh, Guy that's selling this, um, he's I guess he's a pretty famous infomercial guy. And really, like, he, this is like he, this was like the world class like sausage maker that like everyone wanted wow. and like he, yeah. So interesting. There, you can go onto YouTube and find his infomercials, his and it's hilarious. They're hilarious. Oh, who's this guy? Yeah, okay. I actually didn't write his name down. Oh, because, it's okay. But let me. I I yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting that they are we're now moving beyond the we're watching movies in the beginning mm. of the mm-hmm. episode or like we're forming our relationship around that to now feels like some commentary that they don't even give a shit about what's on they just have something on while their their relationship is kind of like coasting right it's in the commercials um i don't know i thought i thought it was interesting oh sorry ron popiel oh ron popiel yes yeah you know him? No, that's just one. I mean, I don't. Yes, I know him. Yeah, he's my uncle. He's, <laughs> was he at your 16th birthday party? <laughs> that's what I did. Me and Ron, we hung out. No, he's just one of those names that I remember from the 90s, hearing all mm-hmm. the time. He is he is an American inventor and marketing mm-hmm. personality. And looking at his picture, totally. I remember seeing this guy's commercials all the time. Look at that. That old, old oh, man. Boring, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. What a face. What a face. He'll sell me anything. Specifically, a sausage maker and pasta maker in one. Mm. Wow, that seems <laughs> counterintuitive. I if know, you're a really vegetarian is. or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, did anyone else think it was slightly erotic the way that Mitch's hand was slowly oh. going across the television screen? I yes. thought horror movie. It re- has it, anyone to ever, me, uh, really, has yeah. anyone seen uh, David Cronenberg's Videodrome? Uh, well, listeners who hear this uh, that are fans of that movie will know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. That movie involves a character that gets enraptured with um, basically snuff films, and it's like a haunted VHS tape that like turns uh, like mm. the TV screen into like this like sexual thing that sucks oh. you in, and it basically turns you into like a, a zombie killing machine. It's fucking insane. You have to see that movie. It's amazing. But um, very similar imagery mm-hmm. of like a sexy hand like going across mm. a TV screen. It was a rock. Yeah, that was, that was a fun touch. I was really <laughs> uncomfortable with it because it felt the only thing I could think about was why is he taking so long to turn the TV off? It's because he's watching Dawson and Joe. Right? Mm-hmm. And that just feels really gross and incestuous and obviously voyeuristic and uh, yeah. I, I thought know. he was just trying not to disturb them, but <laughs> I know. That's I mean, a good that's, point. Maybe he was being know. creepy. Not mutually exclusive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Good point. We get our second look at the intro credits. Stella, you yes. have a favorite yeah, okay, moment. Yeah, yeah. You yes. have to check back in. Yes. yes. So definitely, I think Mallory. This was Mallory's favorite too. The Pacey and Joey shimmying on oh, that. I love it. Dot yeah. post. Yeah. So silly. I and Dawson's paid, like in the background. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I paid special attention on that. That. 
this watch and it made me think of the videos of the bears that scratch their back on the tree. Oh, so yeah. I like <laughs> it a lot more. <laughs> Cody, did, did you have a favorite moment last time? Um, yeah, I just talked about how I, I like the VHS footage That's and how right. it yeah. seems to fit the aesthetic of a child using their daddy's camera for the first and, time. That's right. More than like a kid given like a 16 millimeter yeah. camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Pacey's outfit. I love Pacey's outfit. Cody, you mentioned earlier his bowling shirt, but it's like, is it terry cloth? Is that oh, yes. Is? This is a, yeah, terry cloth, collared terry cloth um, yeah, button up shirt. Collar. It's so much better than a bowling shirt though. Like, yeah. I feel like that actually in this this whole episode, Pacey's yeah. outfits are great. His shirts, he has like his all of his shirts are way better than <laughs> we've ever seen in the past. So definitely, I'm excited about that. Yeah. Do you think that's because it was his birthday and he's like, I oh, gotta look nice? Probably yeah. his three day birthday. birthday no. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Shirt. Uh, anyone notice his hair? Yes. Dyed. Yes. It's dyed dyed back. It. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I thought it was fight. Like, does that happen when you after you? Because it, it looked reddish. Too. I think he died. I think they dyed his hair because he was filming um, something else where he actually had to have bleached hair, mm-hmm. oh, um, so and that's to why it was bleached in like the first episode. But I, my thinking is they, he, his character dyed it, but they also dyed it because. But like, if he was dyed, because she Andy like picks out the color yeah. with him or whatever, right. and right. it's like supposed to be like a brown. brown. But yeah. does that happen when you if you had bleached it, would it turn red like that? I just thought it was. Weird. I think yeah. it was just the color was not his ma- exact match. Okay, maybe. Right. I mean, yeah, and brown. going yeah. from like your your hair yeah. is uh, bleached and going back to brown, I'm I'm sure if you're using like a shitty store-bought mm-hmm. color, like it's probably not going to work as well as you intend it to be. Mm-hmm. Should just have like rubbed dirt, rubbed dirt in his hair. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> Strange. Um, I do have to thank the driver's ed class scene for giving me this little audio clip, which I love very much. That's too bad. We really need another juvenile delinquent chowderhead on the road. Chowderhead? Is that our first chowderhead reference that we've gotten so. so far for this show taking place on the East Coast and Massachusetts adjacent? Why have we not heard chowderhead more often? That's a great question. I Is that a thing that people say? Oh, yeah. Yes. I don't know if I've heard that term before. Chowderhead. Chowderhead. What does that mean? Just like it a It means goofball? like a stupid person. Yeah. Um Yes. And I looked up the the origin because I was curious. Uh, it's a mispronunciation of, quote, jolterhead, a derivative of the 16th century insult jolthead. Man. So. They really got fucking down yeah. in the 16th century. They're like, it was, you f- It was used jolt literally head? for a large, heavy head. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. I. Because <laughs> I had not, I had never heard of that. So. I wonder why. That's strange. Yeah. Why did we lose that insult? Your head's really heavy, Cody. <laughs> Chowder head. <laughs> I wonder if that, I mean, like, I think a derivative of that would be saying, like, someone's dense. Yeah, like, or thick. Mm. Thick gold. Yeah. yeah. And chowder's thick. Mm. It's also delicious. <laughs> Just like somebody's brains. Mm. Uh-oh. Uh, in this room where they're all testing, I, I find it interesting that when they're having a shot reverse shot with uh, Pacey and the teacher uh, behind the teacher, you see children getting their photo taken for their driver's license. <laughs> yeah. So this seems like a very expedited process in Cape yes. Side <laughs> where they're doing it all in house. Yeah. Great. You passed. Here's your photo. Blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, uh, it seemed very quick. 
don't you have to yeah. do a driving exam? Yeah. Why? Like, yeah. Did, did they, are they all just like, all right, now you're in your vehicle. Uh, turn, t- turn the keys class. And they're all at their desks. Like, anyone else go to a class for driver's ed? Yeah. I did. Yeah. Oh, okay. I did, yeah. I had, yeah, I, mine was more like, uh, at home thing. And then, oh, interesting. and then I just did the, like I had like an instructor, but. I had Didn't a do class, the class and we we did the only thing I remember about driver's ed class is they had these funny glasses that they made you wear when they told you about not to drink and drive because it simulated what it was like to be drunk and then you and your partner would have to throw tennis balls at each other uh, that and sounds so fun. What? it was actually very fun um, it was definitely an exciting part of the class and I don't think it had the desired effect <laughs> because I was like shit I this sounds cool as like a dare kid who was definitely not drinking at that time I was like mm. Kind of want to, kind of want to get down on some some booze. <laughs> My driver's ed was in a one of those uh, trailer portable things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had like a like a driving simulator. Everyone had their own what? little steering Whoa, wheel. Man, Stella cool. lived in the future Dang, back in the kid back in the so kid fancy. days. Yeah, it was yeah. cool. Fuck. Did you? Did they simulate like rain and snow and like driving in different weather and stuff? Ooh, I it don't was like remember. a peloton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining like the Jurassic Park driving game at the Mm. arcades. Was that what it was like? Maybe a little bit. Was it just a Jurassic Park driving (laughs) game that you were playing, Stella? Maybe. (laughs) There were dinosaurs driving the Jeep. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Well, oh, Oh, I I was just going to say, like this instructor kind of starts off the kind of theme of Basie's day that he's Mm. having a bad day and He's having a terrible day. Like this instructor is just telling him he's basically, you know, Poor dumb guy. and starts off his fantastic birthday, you know. I want to know what question he missed. I know. Yeah. I I have more of a question of uh, teachers in the 90s being mean because it mm-hmm. seems like such a theme in this show. I mean, every teacher is an asshole in this, but it seems like a lot of other media too. Teachers are awful and just like treat kids like shit and are very yeah. open about like, like, oh, you flunked another one. Like, yeah. it's just so commonplace. I wonder why that trope it seems like more of like a 50s thing. I can very easily imagine a 1950s teacher yeah. being like, you chowder head. I totally. can't believe you got yeah. a D on this. Oh, are you so and so? I'm going to scrap you <laughs> by the ears and make you drink my piss, boy. <laughs> when you're 18, you're going to Korea. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's now, no. Yeah, I mean, I had a really mean teacher when I was a kid, just one. And ironically, I'm pretty sure she was my first grade teacher or, or third grade, either, either way, in elementary school. And she was so fucking mean. And other than that, all of my teachers, my entire education were either neutral or pretty positive, pretty friendly. So I wonder, yeah, I mean, you're right. That is a very dated reference that mm-hmm. I think – was on the way out and that teacher that I had that was really mean she was not to be ageist she was older so maybe she had been a teacher for a, a while but yeah that mm. made me realize why you're saying that as I, I very much do mean like high school teachers because also mm-hmm. my experience too in elementary school like all of my teachers were mean <laughs> like all <laughs> wow. I mean I, I went to a private <laughs> Christian school so it was like a lot of like you're going to hell but yeah, uh, yeah. well you are this is true it <laughs> exists uh, it was uh, but yeah like in high school it was very, like all Every like I couldn't have been a better experience of like right. all my teachers being like, oh, like you you're obviously um, a Pacey, so let's like try to figure out like what's going on. Like, is it because you have ADHD or is there like any like special things that we can do to help you out? Very positive experience. In Cape Side, not so much. Everyone is from the 1950s and they want to kill Pacey. Well, 
He is the black sheep of the town. Poor PC. Um, I am wondering, this could be like a whole other conversation that I don't know if we really want to get into, but how much your parents had like a sex talk mm. mm-hmm. with you. Um, yeah, they they have a very interesting methodology here, which is just to kind of like not beat around the bush. They're being very direct and blunt, but they're also not saying or doing anything aside from giving Joey that book. <laughs> Poor Joey. And, I mean, I guess, you know, Mitch has the really great no hat. Yeah, yeah. The, the stats, which as an analyst, as somebody who is data minded, even I was like, what in the fuck are you saying here, <laughs> dude? Like, <laughs> but he has this line, which um, I love. Remember Dawson, no hat, no glove. <laughs> No, Mitch, honey, that's no glove, no glove. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you get the point. Uh, Joey. No hat, no glove. So silly. <laughs> um, I- Loved, I did love this scene though because like it looks like Gail's just casually reading a book and then we find <laughs> that she's reading a teen pregnancy book. But when you if you pause, uh-huh. the page she's showing, showing Joey is a it's like a sexual it's about sexual massage. Oh my god! Yeah, it looks like a Kama Sutra. Yes, it's basically like that. <laughs> I don't know. And so it was like she was reading it for herself. That's what I think. Isn't that what your parents <laughs> did with you guys? Yeah. Show you the Kama Sutra? No? Huh? Weird. Um. Did anyone understand uh, this dig from Papa Papa Dawson when he says, um, "Like still clueless as ever"? Yeah, that it was about Mitch and Gail. Yeah, that was it. Was that they are we are clue, we are still clueless as ever, but and I, that's why Gail's like looks kind of worried. Right. Um, I think it was one of those yeah. things that you say that you know we're supposed to feel like oh it's one of those things you say but then after you say it you realize it has like a double meaning that mm-hmm. is more malicious and I think Gail is taking it as potentially he was trying to insult her when mm-hmm. he was really just saying like still clueless as ever we're still yeah. figuring it out right mm-hmm. but she's yeah. like what do you mean yeah because yeah. I, I, yeah. I didn't know about the divorce thing you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I think is an interesting bit of writing because I think that shows you it's like kind of relatable. Everybody has those moments where they say something and then they're like, oh, fuck. I didn't yeah. mean it that way. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Anyone else have any thoughts about uh, sex sex talks? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about sex, baby. baby. Let's talk about... Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't use that. When did that song come out? I don't know. Yeah. I do... I, I mean, while we're talking about this clueless as ever part, I wanted to play this because Gail says something in the beginning and it felt really confusing and out of character for her. I'll let, let's listen and I'll explain. Our baby's growing up. Seems like just a blink ago he was coming home from the hospital. <laughs> and here we are a thousand years later. Clueless as ever. Does she sound weird to you guys in the very beginning of that? She sounds drunk as hell. Yeah. Hmm, or like bit. New York. Let's listen to just the beginning one more time. I'm going to skip this part. Seems like just a blink ago he was coming yes, out from the hospital. Yes, a blink ago Seems he was. Seems like just a blink, blink ago, ago. He, was, <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was in the back of the cab <laughs> and he was doing the Zupas and it's just like, what the blink fuck? I wonder, yeah, I wonder if she is from New York and that it was hmm, just like a little slip or something. Yeah. For me, it just sounded like, I mean, just just her like slurring her words. Like yeah. It seems like a blink ago. I wonder if that was like an ad lib, you know? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I wonder. Hmm. It was really hard rewatching uh, this episode multiple multiple times to take notes because I just kept like daydreaming off of like what they were talking about when she said <laughs> blink. I was like, 
I wonder if Blink 182 <laughs> is a reference to a time measurement. And I was like, 182 blinks ago, what does that equate to? And then I was like, oh yeah, I'm watching uh, Dawson's Creek. <laughs> and before you knew it, the episode was over. Yeah, like, oh, real. Uh, she's from Florida. Hmm. She won Miss Florida. Wow. In the USA pageant and was third runner-up wow. in the 1975 Miss USA. Look at her go. Look at that. Okay, so... Well, that gives a different meaning to the uh, the Miss Windjammer pageant. Episode. Oh yeah, interesting. Mm. Well, well done, Freaks and Creeks team. We got there. It was just a season late, <laughs> but we got there. Um, yeah, I uh, <laughs> I I thought it was kind of like when Pacey and you know I'm, I'm going to fast forward a little bit to Pacey and Dawson interacting for the first time at school. Poor Pacey. Like I've been there. You're in a bad mood you know, your day is going shitty and then somebody is immediately just jumping into their problems and you're like, dude, Mm -hmm. shut the fuck up. My life is kind of falling apart. And Dawson just has the worst response ever. I mean, he just, he can't help but, but shoot himself in the foot here. Um, And I just, poor Pacey, he, you know, he just, listen to this. Joey and I are together a week and my parents are already shoving condoms into my pockets. You don't have anything to say to me. Nothing at all you want to say today. What's up with you? Uh, uh, nothing, man. Forget about it. I think I hear Joey calling. Oh, yeah, good burn. Got him. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Pacey, though. Yeah, it's no. really sad. This is where I feel like the writing is a little weaker than the first episode because in that, in, well, the first episode of the season because in that one, we were all talking about how, like, oh, surprised by the nuance of everything and right. how they were leaving a little more to our imagination of what thinking what might be going on with these characters where this just like all of it just felt so obvious to me of Dawson. Like Dawson's not, I mean, he's a kind of like a goof and stupid character sometimes, but he's not that uh, clueless. Clueless. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Mm -hmm. he's supposed to be like love drunk right now and not really know what's going on with his other friends, but for Pacey to be so direct with him being like, really all the days you don't know what today is, why today's special. And Dawson's like, "Ah, gee golly whiz. I wonder what Joey's wearing right now. Like it just seems so (laughs) foolish and like, writing that a kid would do i don't know i agree hmm. it does i i i think this episode i i like this episode i'm not as down on it but i do totally agree with you it, it does feel like they this episode was basically a psa you know like it, it felt like a like something that they would play in like a dare program about like don't go too crazy on your relationships kids remember you need to have friends and a girlfriend and also remember kids don't invade other people's privacy it felt like that mm-hmm. but then they like gave it a like teen drama spin instead of it being just like a reefer madness style PSA yeah like I, I really like morality plays um, when done right and, yeah and this and again like like you said, I liked this episode too, but it just felt all of it was very obvious. Like there are so yeah. many better ways back. you could probably talk about these issues without it being so like, I don't know, Dawson just being so blind to the world is um, is low hanging fruit yeah. for this kind of story. It might have been more effective if like he wouldn't have maybe interacted with Dawson that day because Dawson was like spending more time with Joey and then, you know, in, yeah. it kind of forced Pacey to be non, like he was non-confrontational in that moment because like we could, he could have been like, "It's my birthday, don't you remember?" But then yeah. that that doesn't like have the effect of like the buildup of him confronting him later about you know being more honest. But yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I mean, it's it's it's. I think it's done a disservice by the fact that we have no idea how much time is 
transpiring yeah. in these episodes. We ne- it's never clear. Even in this episode, I'm like, I'm like, wait, is it? Are we on the same day? Has it been two days? Has it been three days? But we also don't know how long it's been between the last episode. So like, you know, all we've really seen is Joey and Dawson interact like once. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and Pacey's like, man, it's too much because it is too much on this specific day. Mm-hmm. But it, it it's also like hard to remember that. Th- Pacey's turning 16. You know, oh my God. He's a he's a 15-year-old up until this episode. Oh my God. That is like it explains a lot of their behaviors, but they are not you know, it's so hard for me to remember that a lot of the time. Do you think it would give uh, do a disservice in the show to have like um I'm just trying to think of like the opposite way of doing this. Like if they did a title card to be like the next day yeah. or mm-hmm. like I mean, obviously no one wants that because it's um, obnoxious, but I wish this had a better system to let you know, yeah. like days are passing, months are passing, even like a, like a, just like a little fragment of dialogue just to be like, wow, it's crazy that it's been a week since. Well, uh, yeah. When Dawson's yeah. telling Pacey in one of the scenes about the diary, he says last night, I read yeah. something in Joey's diary last night, but then he says, today's your birthday, which yes. his birthday oh, wow, was yesterday. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So that was a little goof. It was definitely Goofy. a little goof that they had there. Yeah. Yeah, the show doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think what this episode or what this show needs is the law and order gong gong noise between every scene. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> that would be Yeah. <laughs> um so one thing I really liked about this episode uh is the I feel like there was a lot of callbacks to season 1. Um so in the scene with like Jen and Pacey, they talk about Molly Ringwald mm-hmm. and the Breakfast Club. Um, and then I think there's also a reference to, um, the, the kelp, the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, uh, something about Dawson's movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. There's like a bunch of stuff. Um, oh, the, <laughs> the thing where Andy says something about, um, you know, sometimes older women like younger yes. men. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of like little nuggets of like context that yeah. if you didn't watch the first season, you can still kind of catch catch those yeah that's a good point beyond you know on the same line yeah yeah so i thought that was fun like kind of ha- like having that um i like self-referential stuff yeah. that's that's fun i mean like james like you were talking about in our last episode like this isn't ignoring its first season it's right. allowed to like accept it as its own canon warts and all and so right. it's like what you did see did happen so we're just gonna like have to well, keep also, it in line with our narrative and also yeah it felt like all, like I feel like all those things that I did kind of, or a few of those things that I just mentioned were things were like, what happened to the movie or what happened to the restaurant? Right. And mm-hmm. now it's kind of like, okay, well they didn't forget or, you know, sure. like yeah. maybe something is going to happen with the restaurant. Um, yeah. So I kind of appreciated that. But yeah, I really liked this scene between um, Pacey and Jen and talking about the mm-hmm. Molly Ringwald mm-hmm. uh, movies and Pacey saying that he's done being the sidekick totally. and wants his own storyline. Well, I I was confused about that because, I mean, this is the thing that we complained about the most, I think, in season one is that Pacey is only given his own storylines. Like, it always felt like the Jen, Joey, Dawson stuff was in one corner, and then the B story was always Pacey with either Miss Jacobs or something else. It wasn't until, like, later on in the season where Pacey started feeling more integral to the group and they were becoming the core four. But I I was surprised that Pacey at this point is saying, I want my own storyline. I mean, like, he's obviously the underdog when it compares to him and Dawson. He's the Robin to his Batman, but still like 
you you were already getting your own storylines. Right. It is like so meta too of him to say that. I mean, it's clearly a screenwriter writing the line of dialogue. I want to get my own storyline. Mm-hmm. Speaking as that character, right? But still felt a a, a little funny to me. Um, it was confusing, definitely. Yeah, I mean, if it, I wish it, he would have said like, I want my something more, more positive storyline or something. Cause like, of course he's had his own storyline, but it's, it has not gone great for him. So, you right. know, I think probably he means he wants a better storyline yeah. for himself. I, I mean, I took you it know. as him. He wants agency. I think yeah. is what he's yeah. trying to say. He wants yeah. to feel like he has some kind of control over his life because I think to all of our points, it is a little bit of both are true because yeah, he, his story has always been on its own, but it's always mm-hmm. been kind of in response to everybody else and yes. what they're doing is why he's on his own. And I think in this moment, he's kind of saying, you know what? Fuck it. I'm choosing my yeah. own story he, now. I'm not just going to go kind of like bide my time or do my own thing. Cause I have to, mm-hmm. now I'm going to, do my own thing by throwing this awful party. He does say I'm going to get my own storyline yeah. too. So yeah. there you go. He's, you know, he's going to go get it. Like I, I just kind of wish that the show had done a better job as um, reinforcing that Pacey and Dawson were the dynamic duo, that they're right. inseparable best friends and they do everything together because yeah. it's harder for me to think of Pacey getting his own storyline and stepping out yeah. from Dawson's shadow. Mm-hmm. If I haven't really seen that to begin right. with, I wish there yeah. was like an episode where it's like, uh, I don't. I don't know. Just like thinking off the top of my head here, like they go to a party and everyone's like, "Hey, it's Dawson and Pacey," right. like, yes. like yeah. or just like yeah. say something where it's like, "Oh, they're always together," but everyone thinks of Dawson as the one who's like the head honcho. And of they them. had yeah, all of those opportunities in season one to mm-hmm. do that, like the road trip episode. They could yeah. have been like, "Yeah, we're doing another one," you know, or at the house party one. They could have had that exact interaction you were just talking about, but they never did that. Yeah, it wouldn't be too hard to even have a scene where it's like if Dawson and Pacey are hanging out and like maybe have two or three girls show interest in Dawson but no one's ever paying attention to Pacey mm-hmm. just to show right. that he's like always the one to be Odd like man out I don't know or, or Dawson yeah. being like hey Pacey could you be my wingman in this situation blah 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 just to see like yeah. uh, right. he never has yeah I don't know but aside from that I really like this uh, correct me if I'm wrong is this like the first substantial sequence that we've ever seen where it's Jen and Pacey like talking yeah. and pretty much yeah. other to- than I think the beauty contest they had a little bit of some uh, interaction but this is more substantial for sure yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's—I mean, I, I liked Jen's advice of like, mm-hmm. who gives a shit about Dawson, yeah. even though she's not taking her own advice, <laughs> but just like go celebrate, like live your life, like you don't have to be so connected to Dawson. Yeah, mm-hmm. it felt cool. Yeah, one my favorite thing about this scene is something deep, very deep here. Okay, you guys ready? In the background of the scene, while Jen and Pacey are talking and we've got all this great plot happening and it's so cool. I didn't care about any of that shit because in the background, you know what there is? The creek. Mm. And you know what's happening in the creek? Boat. Mm. Boat go by? Small boats go by with little men. Little men rowing these small boats. And what are they doing? It's like crew boats, right? But they're rowing backwards. They're traveling along water backwards. They're traveling backwards. Through time, regressing, just like we're seeing Dawson doing, just like we're seeing Pacey doing, just like we're seeing kind of the whole show is kind of going backwards through time. And I think also maybe we're going to start traversing through space and time. Maybe we'll even traverse the multiverse and we'll find out that this clone simulation experience that we're talking about last week is actually all very true. I actually really like this. Um, I mean, I obviously love the clone stuff, but about like uh, traversing time and space. Again, one issue I did have with this episode as well is uh, the, the just like the pacing of events because it's right after the scene of Jen 
and Pacey talking as Jen then at school yes. talking to Abby on the bleachers and we never got a buffer in Nothing. between those points so it's like did she just teleport there like yeah. how long right. or, yeah. that should have been something that happened after a commercial break or something because it, it just like feels so awkward that so abrupt mm-hmm. Jen was plucked off of the boardwalk and then dropped back into school and it looks like the sun is kind of setting too so it's like how much time has passed yeah. in these like two scenes being back they, to back and it was only a couple scenes before where she's waking up in the morning yes. with Rams, which you know yeah and what's yeah. really confusing is the scene that's immediately after, which, you know, the, the Jen and Abigail at school is Joey's room. So they could have easily just put that scene between Dawson, or sorry, oh, between, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Up and but, then, yeah, but it, they didn't, know. and it, it really confused the fuck out of me in, in, the, in, in the episode. But I do love Jen and Abigail's conversation on the bleachers. Love I'm really happy. calling that, her Abigail. <laughs> yeah, Abigail. Well, she's Abigail to me. Well, did, did Abby you Grams guys, call her Abigail that morning? What? Grams called just, Abigail? No, I'm saying, oh, <laughs> Abby, sorry. I'm, Abigail? Thinking, I'm thinking Jen. I'm thinking Jen. Yes. Jennifer? Of course, we haven't, yeah, the, it, you know, Graham's waking her up. Yeah. And she's, it's, it's similar to Pacey. She's starting off her day terribly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, oh, that's true. Also, also uh, Graham singing the. Yeah, glory, glory, hallelujah, or whatever. <laughs> Showing off her opera chops, which I mentioned oh, in season yeah. one. Um, mm-hmm. This actress, Mary Beth Pale, was an opera singer mm-hmm. and and uh, stage actress. So, yeah, you definitely sure. hear that in that scene. Yeah. <laughs> I was also trying to catch a glimpse of all of Jen's posters in the room. I said mm-hmm. REM poster, a filter poster. Yes. There was something else that I couldn't quite make out. Yeah, uh, there were a couple that I that I think are up for still there from last season, but I don't didn't recognize them. Oh, another thing that I liked because I yeah I feel like like similar to Pacey saying I want my own storyline or whatever mm-hmm. like the like kind of hitting the nail on the head about them being in a show of, mm-hmm. of Jen saying like oh. you can say hell on yeah. network TV yeah. now yeah. That was <laughs> I loved that yeah yeah uh, anyway, when oh. they're on the when oh did you want to talk oh. more about her bedroom no no I was just gonna say this sets up her her kind of like uh, she's in a vulnerable state that morning and and then now she's on the bleachers with Abby and Oh, you know. yeah, there's yeah. there's something really meaty there, too, with Grams. She says that line that's like, you're not, your, like, I don't even recognize you anymore. Like, you're not yourself. Yes. And yeah. it really does feel like this entire episode is Jen being like, I'm going to try a new character. It seems like Jen is now doing the Pacey thing of like, well, uh, being me didn't really work to get Dawson. So now I'm going to try to be um, Abby, maybe, or I'm going to mm-hmm. try to be a little loose and yeah. uh, not sexually, but like uh, she has more... Um, she she's like easy. It's easier for her to adapt to like new personas as right. a way to yeah. like get what she wants. Well, I th- yes. I kind of felt like before you know when she was in New York, she was a party girl. Yeah, and so this this is maybe like her kind of regressing. Like you know, she came to Cape Side to have a new life, and now like things are falling apart, and I think she's like falling into this depression. So it's like probably easy to her just to mm-hmm. fall back into being like a little party girl. Yeah, it's interesting the interaction between Abigail and <laughs> Jennifer and Abigail. Yeah, between yes. Abigail and Jennifer on the bleachers is very interesting to me because Abby, are y'all fucking happy? <laughs> Abby, Abby is like basically she's doing her mean girl shit, right? She's like, "Hey, your life is clearly boring." You blah 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 blah. I bet when you were in New York, you didn't do anything, and Jen. Is getting kind of like shit all over by Abigail, and until it isn't until Jen fires back with this that she finally starts to get some respect from her. This is what she says: "I bet you never even got into a club. 
The things and places I have talked myself into and out of would blow your mind. Yeah, right. So once she says that, we see Abby kind of visually. She's like, "Uh, okay, well, have you been here? And then Jen goes back again. She's like, that club is so last year, basically. Mm -hmm. And then finally they're best friends, right? Like now they're in on it and it feels like you're right, Cody. Jen is trying this new persona. She's, or... Uh, Stella, to your point, she's regressing back to this previous life that she used to have that she was trying to get away from. It's really interesting. I don't know. I like this moment a lot. I feel like we're getting to actually see it, something from Jen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I, I think regression is a really interesting uh, thing that you've brought up as a theme because I, I hadn't really thought about that. I think that's really strong. And also this um, regression and also char- characters like mirroring one another. And I'm wondering if they're trying to now make uh, the Dawson and Pacey relationship, even though I was just criticizing how they haven't done a very good job at s- setting that up, I wonder if the mirror to that relationship is now going to be uh, Jen and Abby. Maybe Abby is supposed Ooh. to be like... Jennifer and Abigail, you mean? Oh, Jennifer and Abigail, yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Jennifer and Abigail. Um, <laughs> but I wonder if uh, Abby then might be the Dawson and Jennifer is going to now be... <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jen, Jen slash Jennifer is going to be uh, like the Pacey like as like right. the the under mm-hmm. her wing like she's the machiavellian you know mustache twirling evil person now uh we have the the apprentice mm-hmm. yeah. uh, as a jedi master and padawan situation versus the sith so maybe this is all a star wars thing i don't know maybe i believe it what's with all the fake medical conditions i love it <laughs> pelvic so lupus another one yeah mm-hmm. yeah heart stripe pelvic lupus <laughs> <laughs> but by the end of the season, everybody is going to have a fake yeah. medical condition. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this next big big piece. I mean, this is it. This is the meat of the episode. Yeah, it is. You mean the paper mache this palm is- tree? Oh my gosh! Okay, I was wondering what that was. Like, I thought maybe it was a lamp. I didn't think it was paper mache. I, I thought think it was paper mache. Okay, we're I thought, talking about which- Joey's room. Yeah, here. Yes. Yes. yes, which we talked about. Last episode. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. thought it looked like a ceramic, like a really poorly painted ceramic thing. I couldn't tell. I was like, what is this thing? It looked like um, uh, Sideshow Bob from The Simpsons. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it did. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I love that Dawson is so obsessed with like this idea of like knowing everything about Joey and he calls it pretentious uh, when talking about like the getting to know you crap, which is yeah. like. I think everyone can agree that's the most fun part of like an early relationship is like finding out who your partner is or um, a possible partner is. And I I just like, it it makes me think if like we're trying to like boil down who Dawson is as a character, one thing that he's extremely ambitious about movies, but everything else he is really flimsy with, like he doesn't really put that much effort into anything else. He just kind of like wants things to happen for him. So I'm wondering is like, does he think that like getting to know someone, he just equates that as this kind of work that's like boring. And so he's just Mm -hmm. like, Oh, that's so great that I don't have to put any effort into this other thing. Uh, because that's, that sucks for me. Like I hate putting effort into like actually getting to know a person and I'm just going to assume I know everything about Joey. I don't know if that's a thing, but it it, feel, it feels re- like why the fuck does he not care about like wanting to get to know someone? I think, see, I had a different read than that. I think he is like, I'm so glad we can get past this pretentious getting to know you phase because he is so arrogant and so self-centered and so like egotistical that he thinks his powers of observation are such that he clearly knows everything about Joey. We've known each other our entire lives. 
And to admit that he doesn't know something about Joey would be admitting that he isn't as smart or observant or wise as he thinks he is. Good read. And that we know Dawson is nothing if not up his own ass, right? He thinks he's like the smartest, most intelligent dude in the entire world. So I think for him to admit that like there are things he doesn't know about Joey is like admitting that he isn't, it's basically him being like, oh, I'm not smart to to himself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joey's diary is five pages long. Anyone else think it was ridiculously? No, but I I noticed that Mona Lisa was on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Her diary was very strange. And I, I, I mean, I would have preferred that the violating entry that Dawson read was more recent than like halfway through last season, right? Because that's what they're talking about is Dawson making his movie. Mm -hmm. We haven't fucking talked about this movie at all. So couldn't they have used something more recent to make it? I know, you know, like to to make it feel a little bit more egregious or something like there's some meat there because I immediately read when that is what ends up being revealed is what was read. I'm like, Okay, clearly this is because this is she's dealing with her emotions that she's repressing that you knew that she was doing back then, you moron. I think the reason they did, I mean, like, I agree with you, but I think the reason they did focus on the movie thing is kind of how last episode we talked about, like, the cinema is his church. It's the only right. thing that, it's like his faith is surrounded by movies. So the fact that she would criticize the thing that's like the most important to him right. is, I imagine that writer's room they had on a whiteboard, it's like, what could, what will hurt Dawson the most? And it's like, we could talk about him having a small dick. We could talk about right. um, how his hair is a stupid haircut. Like we could talk about like all these different things and it's like, oh, but what would hurt the most? Him being a bad filmmaker because that's right. like yeah. the only thing that he's ever actually expressed interest in. Mm-hmm. But it is lame. Like they should have done something more recent that would have more of an effect because um, that would be more realistic, right? To their relationship and something that would like cause him more hurt. But um, yeah. Think. I don't know. I... My favorite thing about the scene is um, is that <laughs> I'm just gonna play this. I thought Alex was smiling, but it turns out he just had gas. <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's you know I feel like that's uh, you know that's what pe- I want people to say about me is like oh I thought he was smiling he just had gas though. Just- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't actually is- smiled in ten years. Yeah. It's just that is a, ba- a baby thing. Mm. They yeah have taken care of infants and it definitely it's like a thing that they do when they have gas it looks like they're just like being happy or silly <laughs> and and we now know that baby Alexander is alive and well so yes thank, yes thank goodness I, at first I when I when I was watching the scene I thought she said a different name because she said it so quickly <laughs> and go. she said Alex I thought she said a completely different name and I was like wait a second like the baby's <laughs> name just changed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know with this show's obsession with full names, I was expecting Alexander. Yeah. I only, I, honestly, I'll, I'll uh, open myself up a little bit and tell you why I call him Alexander is because that's uh, Worf's son's name in Star Trek. <laughs> that's the only way I can remember it. It's like Worf's son is Alexander, so that means that Bessie and Bodhi's son is Alexander. I don't buy the romantic chemistry between Dawson and Joey at all, especially in this scene. Like him pulling her up into his lap to kiss her before like the baby cries and baby do like all that whole (laughs) everything there was just so phony to me and then him getting upset and leaving like that is just like i don't know just smelling her perfume yeah that was disgusting i i wish (laughs) it's like again one of those things listeners you're probably uh frustrated because you probably have some like 
hot details about what it was like to be on set. Like there's probably some information about how like maybe those actors didn't get along. Right. Maybe Katie Holmes was just like very not into James Van Der Beek or vice versa. It's very possible, but it, they do not have chemistry and it feels extremely forced when he's like holding her and like touching mm-hmm. her ear. She yeah. does not look like she's having fun and he doesn't look like he's having fun either. So it's like, yeah, it's hard to see that. And then it's, and think that they're, oh yeah, this is a believable relationship. And then to see Pacey and Andy and they're not a relationship at all, but they have so much chemistry, you know, mm-hmm. and we're like, yeah, they're just friends, just meeting and they're not interested, you know, like it's confusing to me. Well, I think it's time for our first break. Is it not? It is indeed. Yes. Alrighty, we will be back soon. Bye. And we're back. And Pacey begins papering the school with flyers for his party that night at Bailey's Wharf. When Dawson runs into him, he still doesn't remember Pacey's 16th birthday and laments about Joey's diary mocking his horror movie and filmmaking prowess. Pacey finally explodes, telling Dawson that he doesn't care, and he's sick of hearing about Joey and that Dawson's life isn't interesting. Elsewhere, Andy asks Joey about giving her brother Jack a chance at a job at the Ice House, to which Joey agrees. Later, when Pacey puts a flyer on Andy's car, they bicker again over the prank she had pulled on him from the last episode, involving convincing senior cheerleader Christy that he had a fake illness called a heart stripe. (laughs) When she asks about the party, he tells her she is not invited. Meanwhile, Dawson finally confronts Joey about her feelings regarding his derivative and objectively bad horror movie and quotes at her with lines directly lifted from her diary, revealing he had read it. She's rightfully upset and storms off. When he tries to apologize at the ice house later that day, he backpedals and says she needs to apologize for what she wrote, all while Andy's brother Jack shows up and gets hired on the spot. Joey ends up telling Dawson that he doesn't know her as well as he thinks he does. Concurrently, Mitch gets relationship advice from his longtime buddy Cole, who tells him that they should have an open marriage and avoid divorce. While back at the Leary household, Grams tells Gail she needs to do everything imaginable to make the marriage work. All the while, Jen tells Abby some spicy stories of the boys in New York City, and Abby suggests they go to Pacey's party that night and drink an enormous bottle of champagne that Abby had been carrying around in her bag all day (laughs) for God knows how long. I love the idea that she's just had that bottle in her purse for an occasion. She just keeps it. You never know when you're going to need it. And today was the day. Love some warm champagne. Mm, All shaken up. Mm, I mean, if you're 15 years old, all champagne is good champagne. She calls it imported bubbly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Damn. So Pacey, like, really standing up for himself and fucking going off on Dawson. Love to see that. Yes. Um, Me too. I I thought it's about goddamn time. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So, you know, he, he, I quoted it. He says, uh, no offense, but I don't think anybody cares. Want some advice? How about this? Your life is not that interesting. And Dawson looks pretty shell-shocked. I know. And for a moment, I almost felt sorry for him because yeah. he looked like he was going to cry. It was, it was I, I can't imagine someone saying that to me. That would feel pretty intense. Um, but he clearly doesn't, like, it doesn't sink in at all. <laughs> like, I think the next time we see him is his interaction with Joey where he's like, it's all about me. Like, I already apologized for yeah. reading your diary. Like, yeah. and it's just like, okay, so do you not understand... He's like incapable of seeing other people. He's got main character syndrome, yeah. you know, and it's unfortunate mm-hmm. that he that he is the main character because we're seeing that that is 
being rewarded. But he cannot comprehend that other people have a perspective in his life or about his actions. I know we've talked about this at length, but the fact that this is Dawson's Creek and he's the main character and it's like obviously we, we watch TV, we, we read stories, we watch things like this because we want to see a main character have an arc. We want to see how they transform over time due to situations. I mean, that's like the point of you know any kind of narrative structure and storytelling. But it's, again, like you just said, he's always rewarded for his bad yeah. behavior and lessons are not learned. So it does uh, feel strange. Like, I mean, I, I, I can only imagine the, tr- the trajectory of the show is that he does change over time and he probably ends up being an adult and learns from his past experiences and is no longer a little baby boy who thinks the world revolves around him. That has to be the trajectory of the show. But I, it just doesn't feel um, good. Again, I mean, like, it sucks that I'm, like, kind of, like, taking a step back from something that I gave this a positive attribution to. But the fact that this entire argument is wrapped up within the next like 20 minutes and uh i I can only imagine uh doesn't really affect later on like things within the relationship unless she brings it up it feels like oh so like he still like he gets his cake and eats it too like he you know fucks up his relationship with pacey but by the end of it they're bros again and then also uh pretty wrongfully yells at joey for uh, having an opinion about him and then at the end of it they still get to make out so it's like yeah not really good. Not a no. good look. Uh, I almost, I mean, if this is supposed to be the morality tale that it is, uh, where is him getting <laughs> any kind of, well, he should be canceled. But like, there's like no like constructive criticism that other characters should be giving him for this kind of bad behavior. Instead, everyone just uh, loves him and thinks he's king. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. The whole, <laughs> I mean, you 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 nailed it on the head. The fact that it's it's buttoned up in twenty minutes is unfortunate because violating somebody's trust, you know, invading their privacy, like betraying them, like that is a serious thing, you know. And he, I don't think he ever gets it ever truly. I, I think by the end of the episode, he still believes. Well, I've apologized for this, so what's the problem? And I still think that by the end of it, he does still think that Joey shouldn't have said those things about him and that he doesn't think that there's an issue with reading the journal. He might be reflecting in anyway, I just, it really is unfortunate. You'd think, I mean, like if this were like a different, I don't know, I'm just trying to think like, how could you still have these themes and, uh, I, like I let him grow from it like I wish that he had read from her diary and this still happens but then maybe during the episode um, Mitch and Gail are like going through his room trying to find evidence yes. of sex or something and they, maybe they find like condoms and they're like well we know this is from a 12 pack and, and there's 11 in here so where's the other one have you been having sex and then he's like oh so that's what it feels like mm-hmm. like right. now I've actually had this experience for myself and now I understand how much I hurt Joey by doing this to her or like something I don't yes. know yep yeah, because, I mean, effectively, this is what we're kind of left with here. You read my journal. <laughs> what the hell for me to see? Oh, not unless it blew open or you, you suddenly developed x-ray vision. I mean, God, how dare you? You invaded my privacy. I mean, I could sue you for this. What I'm really curious about is what else is in that journal that you don't want me to see? That's your oh. reaction? Not to completely switch gears, but we're introduced to Jack in in this and does anyone else like i mean like it's still early but does anyone else feel like this is going to be um 
the competitor for Dawson. Yes, I was wondering that. uh, There's the very funny shot of her later looking out the window and wishing she was at the party. And then he is the one to be like, "Ah, you know, first fight, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Like, it seems like there's like, uh, they're trying to introduce like maybe something a little bit there. And he enters in this moment of conflict between Mm -hmm. Dawson and, and Joey. So you can't help but feel that there's competition in that, in there just because of that, like framing. I, but I, I wondered that too because initially I was like, oh boy, there's going to be a new boy for for you know for Joey here, and maybe he plays like the cello. I know she loves string players. Um, <laughs> I completely forgot about that guy, <laughs> Randolph. What was his name? Something like that. Anyway, uh, but then later, like you're saying, he he kind of is is just there. He he like comforts her and is like. <laughs> anyway, so it, it feels like in that moment he is kind of just putting himself as a friend, as a confidant, almost as like a, somebody who knows more than Joey. So now I'm suddenly like, is how old is he? What mm-hmm. is, is he an older too, brother? Is he, are they, is he the same age as Andy? Is he older, younger? He feels, I mean, it feels like he's a little younger maybe, but he seems so young like and freshman, naive maybe. initially. Yeah. But, but as the episode progresses, I'm not as sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, I mean, my criticism of the writing in this episode that feels like what a clunky introduction to his character for just mm-hmm. like a random off scene of Andy be like, Hey, by the way, I have a brother. Can he work at your yeah. restaurant? Yeah. And then later he just shows up and he's like, I guess I'm hired now. Yeah. You'd think, it's I mean, all- if you're getting 24 episodes for a season, you'd think that his introdu- introduction would have warranted an entire episode and be about the ice house. Seems like he's just kind of like shoehorned in there. It's or- also like the first introduction of Andy and Joey. The yeah. scene that, and that scene is Andy mm-hmm. and Joey's first introduction and On then the it's steps, Jack yeah. and Joey's first introduction. So. Yeah, and, and you'd think that at least with the first time getting to see Jack, to your point, Do- <laughs> to your point, Cody, that we would... You can call me Dawson if you want. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, to, uh, that at least we would see him do something of his own volition, right? He is being uh, it, it, like a force unto himself, and instead he is being very passive and just Andy gets him, sets him up with this job and he shows up. I don't know. If, it's not the best introduction to him. I'm excited to see if we get more of him later if he just continues for this season to kind of be like this afterthought i feel like we get a little bit of his personality when he's talking about the um <clears throat> the tartar sauce or whatever yeah. it was and he's mm-hmm. like it's not that good like you totally. know we kind of get a little bit of personality there so mm-hmm. yeah I, I, I did like when they um when uh the sequence where Jack is introduced, but it's the fight between Dawson and Joy. Yeah. I uh, I do like the choice that it was handheld camera instead of stationary because mostly in the show it is like static shots. So right. at least they're again, this is a, a show that's actually trying to like actively think about the cinematography and try to incorporate it into the show's um, overall mise en scène. But like, <laughs> whoa, you, yeah, <laughs> uh, you got your movie card back, <laughs> movie card back baby. Um, yeah, I think Dawson's Creek as a whole should be added to the Criterion Collection. So, uh, <laughs> but at least like they're thinking like, oh, like let's try to make this seem like a little more intense uh, with the shaky yeah. cam. It looked pretty good. Um, fast pace. Fast pace. Yeah, it certainly yeah. made me stressed out. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Also, just the idea of having a fight with my partner while I'm working publicly in like in front of all of these people you know and dawson's fucking following joey basically shouting at her as she's like doing shit that is like whoo it just made my blood fucking boil watching that scene also just the way that he going kind of going back a sec um when he kind of reveals that he's read 
the journal by like at first like complimenting her like oh I was just going through my closet and found your costume and like yeah thought about how good you like it's it's, the fact that he just like wouldn't like own up to like Mm -hmm. I did this is also a little obnoxious takes a lot of maturity to do that kind of stuff though and we're we know Dawson is a very immature person right he he has no despite pretending to have a lot of introspection and self-reflection he really has none not a but you know who's some somebody who has a lot of introspection and self-awareness and has done a lot of like deep work on themselves um do you know who i'm talking about are you talking about my guy cole yes <laughs> yeah. oh. is it if anyone was a walking tom wait song it's this guy <laughs> an open marriage old fisherman <laughs> yes. who keeps bottles of beer in the same ice as a dead fish <laughs> two two, two. Yeah. yeah yeah i hope that he always has two bottles of beer at any you know as soon as he takes those two out he's like all right gotta get some two more in there you just never know working on the board Girlfriend, the devil. Um, I did like so Cole says that he's known, um, yeah, Papa fourth grade since fourth grade, so that kind of like also is like okay, so uh, he they've lived here their whole lives, which is like a nice little like kind of yeah, some world building stars hollow over here, yeah, thought that was cute, yeah, it's like Game of Thrones when you think about it. (laughs) This show is exactly the same as Game of Thrones. (laughs) And then also with so like with this scene, it's it was very similar to the last episode where they do that cut between yes. the different um, the montage, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and we see Graham's advice versus Cole's advice. That's uh, another thing too. It's it's so strange that they're willing to create a new character that's a friend of Mitch's, but then for Gail, they're not going to give her a friend. They're just going to be like, yeah, uh, well, Graham's, Graham's will give her. Yeah, advice. yeah. It yeah felt the, old, the racist old bag next door. She's got to give her back, back the Tupperware. So you know. Yeah. And yeah, I, I thought, I mean, I was very happy that we got a new location at the very least, yes. you know, early in mm-hmm. season two, so far we're kind of treading old waters. So the wharf, as much as I hate the wharf as a shooting location to your point, Cody and the fishery, Hey, something else, you mm-hmm. know, and yeah. more mention of the kelp. Yeah. 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 Making, space next door. He's making moves on the kelp. Rent's kind of so, high. Yes. <laughs> I wonder what, so looking at Cole's fishing shack, I wonder what the space next door was like because, mm, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. like presumably it would be similar to this, which would be a really cool fishing themed aquatic restaurant. Yeah. Makes me think of all those restaurants in Newport along the bay. Mm. Newport, Oregon, for listeners mm-hmm. that are not aware, Google it. But it seems like <laughs> it's the exact same aesthetic. Yeah. Like you see yeah. uh, the boardwalk, you see the seals or whatever they are. Uh, sea lions? What are the, what the <laughs> fuck are those creatures? Lions. Seals or whatever they are. Uh what can, are they? Stella, I, you love them. What are I they know. Called? I can never they're, remember if they're seals or sea lions. Town I'm sorry. children. I do Those not know just... the difference. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, uh, listeners, got... we have one on mic right now. Our very first interview. Okay. Uh, first question. Are you a seal or a sea lion? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're ending the show. We finally figured it out. You heard it here first. But back to this scene here with with Cole and Mitch specifically, and then you know juxtaposing with gail and grams it feels like it's we're just getting like do you remember the book matter from mars <laughs> yes. from Venus? yeah it feels like that except yeah. it's like wrapped up in a puka shell wearing pierced ear you know mm-hmm. facade yeah because he's just like 
it's all about honesty and living your truth. And don't you want to be honest with yourself? Fuck me. And then Grams is just like, it's just about listening, honey. You just got to listen, my dear. Just go renew your wedding vows. Yeah. I love that she refers to her husband as Mr. Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really funny. Mm -hmm. I, Mal, when I'm dead, don't call me Mr. (laughs) Ramey. <laughs> Please. I won't. When I'm alive, though, yes, you better be telling everybody okay, I'm Mister Mister Ramey. <laughs> no, don't call me Mister. That's that's weird. Everybody else. <laughs> you asked for it. No, 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 no. Okay, let's go back a little bit. Hold on, <laughs> take it back. This also feels like another instance of them trying to rewrite Grams as a more like positive yes. character oh, yeah. who isn't a bag Definitely. of shit because I feel like if this was season one, Graham, she's like, well, we have to remember that the yeah. men are the head of the household and women, we support our men. Just do what he says. <laughs> um, But I, I was pretty shocked that they are introducing the concept of open marriage yeah. in this show. It feels uh, very was, progressive yes. for 1998. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And for mainstream... TV, you know, yeah, primetime yeah. teen drama also mm-hmm. if we're talking about open yeah. marriages. I mean, if we can say hell, we we can bring up yes. open marriage. <laughs> I It does make me nervous, though, because I wonder if this is, again, morality tale stuff. If, if I mean, I don't really know the trajectory of this uh, right. B story, if how long this is going to go on for. But let's say, what if they do open up the marriage and it ruins their entire marriage? And it's like, this yeah. is why you mm-hmm. don't do anything mm-hmm. outside mm-hmm. the sanctity of... I feel mm. like that's the only way this show is going because there's no, uh, or they decide against it, right? Mm-hmm. Before they ever get started. But I just can't imagine. Could you imagine if we get into season six and, and Mitch is like, <laughs> oh yeah, I was just with my secondary. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and just like, what in the fuck are we talking about here? Uh, I hope, God, it'd be pretty cool if this uh, became like an, like an in the mood for love kind of situation. And so like Mitch and Gail start dating like other people and then like maybe the swap or something like, mm. like they start falling in love with like each other's person or oh my God. Oh, I have wow. an idea. What if on top of the open marriage, they introduce online dating oh. and Mitch falls in love with some anonymous stranger online and Gail falls in love with some anonymous stranger online and they set it's up their first date and it's each other. Each other. <gasps> oh, you've got mm. mail. And then Tom Hanks becomes yeah. Mitch. <laughs> I was going to say maybe it was like a, I thought you were going to go towards like a catfishing situation. Oh, okay. <laughs> and they yeah. both meet up with the same oh, person. Oh, oh. <laughs> interesting. That's even, even better. <laughs> oh, I like that. Where will this show take us? Space. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's talk about Andy and Pacey in the parking lot. Are we okay with, with mm-hmm. talking yeah, about yeah. that? Because I loved this scene. It reminds me of all of those moments in season one where I couldn't help but love Pacey, but I hated him. Now I get to just like him or love him. I don't know, but let's listen. Put the charm on hold for a second, Pacey. I was just curious what the occasion's for. It's my going away party. I'm dying of a heart strapper. Hadn't you heard? (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. I mean, Pacey Mm -hmm. is so funny. I love the dialogue that he gets. I want to know how much of it was written like for Joshua Jackson, knowing his acting style, knowing how he delivers, how much was him ad-libbing and how much of it was just like the perfect harmony of writing and acting meeting because it really feels authentic in a way that almost no other character Mm. feels in this show right now. I wonder if it is like a Joshua Jackson thing because I like thinking of the other things that I've seen him in, he is like that kind of like sassy attitude Mm -hmm. kind of guy. 
um, don't kill me nerds, but I've only seen like a handful of episodes of Fringe, but he's very much that character hmm. in that show too. So um, must be a sassy fun guy to hang out with. I love sassy fun guys. I did uh, not appreciate Andy calling Christy mentally deficient. No. Could have done without yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. But, okay. Is that what you didn't like about Andy maybe back then when you... Uh, I don't think that's No, it. okay. I don't think that was it. <laughs> She's a little bit of a mean girl, but... So I have a note that you were right about Andy sabotaging Pacey because she didn't think Christy was good enough for Pacey. Was it you who no, made that point? I, or was it, was it you, Cody? Somebody made the point. I think that was Cody. Yeah, it was me the whole time. Cody, I don't know. You I don't were know. wearing I, the Mallory mask when you did it. That's why well, I was so confused. I, yeah, but. I didn't think, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Regardless, we get confirmation. I think mm. that's confirmation, in my mm. opinion, that based, between the chemistry that we're able to observe with our own fucking eyes and ears, what we saw in last episode with the heart stripe thing, and then with this line, it feels like Andy is all but saying, in the way that school kids do, I have a crush on you, Pacey. It is cute. And, I mean, later in this episode, she even refers to like that other, like, oh, there's another bimbo yep. who's yeah. like trying to <laughs> look at you somehow. Um, also in this scene, I appreciated Pacey standing up for himself being like, you know, it wasn't that funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it seems a little bit weird because in the last, the way the last episode ended, they seemed like they were on good terms, but so right. maybe, but maybe he's just like in a mood because, mm-hmm. you know, it's his birthday and he feels really like uncared for. Yeah. But I, I did really like seeing him be really firm throughout just kind of standing up for himself. He needs a leather jacket yes. for this episode mm-hmm. because he's a bad boy right now. He's a bad boy. I think at Indeed. the same time though, is him and Andy have already established their relationship as like having like hurtful banter. Like mm-hmm. they love uh, taking jabs at one another because it's the only thing they really know how to do with one another. But you can tell that they're both getting off on it too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. This is their love language, the two of them. Speaking of love languages, um, Throwing my mother off of a oh bridge. Oh my goodness. god! Did you cap yes. this? I did. Oh my god! I, I, I ended up. I capped a lot of this scene, so it was hard to cut it back to just a few. But yeah, let's listen. Wait, this is a. Uh, this is Jen and room. Abby. Jennifer yes. and Abigail. God damn it! Use their full <laughs> Christian names. God is going to be upset if you don't. Oh God! I would throw my mother off a bridge to go out with somebody like this. It's like so, I, I love that it's like a photo of someone that we can't see. Yeah, this, we have to use our imagination. This scene, I I think I don't know. Maybe I'm reading into it, but this is like a little nod to the scene in Greece where they are all sitting on the bed. It's sleepover, and they're looking at photos of guys. And Rizzo pulls out the imported quote imported bubbly Ooh, out of her bag. Whoa. Yes. Okay. It's, hold it's on. so specific that it, hmm. it's got to be. But that's that's really weird. So on the day of, of this episode's release, like we talked about, October 14th, 1998, mm-hmm. do you know what the top movie of uh, on the box office I'm going to guess Grease. It's Practical Magic. Now, why is that weird? Because one of the actresses, one of the, the key most billed actresses is Stockard Channing, who plays oh, Rizzo yes. in Grease. Yes. Yes. And that's just Absolutely. a really weird little funny. But, but I had and, mentioned a grease thing last yes, so, in, in the last episode. Oh it's something my goodness. Or, but yeah, I think that like it, it kind of it, it is kind of like Greece where they're they're um I can't remember uh, Sandy is kind of like the, you know, good girl next door oh, and they're kind of the and all the other the grease the uh, pink ladies are a little bit of a bad influence on her. Yeah. So there's mm-hmm. Abby kind of being kind of, you know, a bad influence on Jen in this moment. So She's definitely a bad girl. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody who walks around with a bottle of imported bubbly in her purse <laughs> all day is a bad girl to bad in girl. my book. <laughs> I did. I don't know. I I know that 
y'all have opinions about Abby being a mean girl. And I think, I do think Abby is mean throughout this episode, but I did, I don't know. I felt like it was kind of like a sweet interaction. Jen and Abby, like having that kind of like bonding friendship and definitely Abby kind of, I don't know, later kind of like standing up for Jen. Yes. Uh, it's it for it felt like for the first time in a long time we see Abby's guard come down when she yeah. realizes mm-hmm. that she doesn't know everything there is to know about New York and mm-hmm. that she's not with it and hip when Jen is talking about like oh all those clubs are like so five minutes ago it's Abby's just like oh shit like I am not the top dog so yeah yeah she says one of my favorite lines ever it's very short it's very sweet let's take a listen I mean you have lived sister <laughs> <laughs> I love sister? that line it's so fucking funny to me. Let's listen again. I mean, you have lived, sister. <laughs> I mean, you have lived, sister. I think later she calls Jen her sister friend. No, I think Jen says that to, to her. her. Yeah, yeah. Sis, my uh, yeah sister friend or whatever. It's, love that. Well, y'all, that's enough of that. We're going to take a <laughs> short break so you and I can go pee all over the place. We love you. Bye. <laughs> And we're back. While Paisley sets up his birthday party at Bailey's Wharf, Andy shows up and they have another fun, playful bickering sesh. He tells her to meet new people, but she says she gets nervous and freezes up around said new people. Her attention turns to a cute girl on a boat and tells Pacey she's checking him out, but he tells her he doesn't want to embarrass himself. As the party pops off, everyone is having a great time, except for Pacey, who gets drinks spilled on him. He's clearly sad and lonely. Elsewhere, a super drunk Abby convinces a super drunk Jen to kiss the first man she sees. And, of course, who <laughs> it just happens to be Dawson. Who would have thought? He's rightfully offended, and Jen scampers off embarrassed. Dawson finally finds Pacey and asks him why he's so pissed, to which Pacey reveals that Dawson has forgotten his birthday. Even though Dawson apologizes profusely, Pacey tells him that he feels the world couldn't care less about him, and it sucks that Dawson is now included in the not-caring crowd, telling him that he hates being a third wheel. Meanwhile, at the Ice House, new hire and all-around empath machine Jack (laughs) recognizes that Joey is upset. He lists her spirits by saying that first fights lead to first makeups. Aw, he tells her to go find Dawson and he'll take care of closing up at the diner as if his less than a day shift has provided him with enough knowledge on closing <laughs> procedures and she leaves. Yeah, as a former retail manager and longtime retail employee, the I, I mean, you know, food service is different, but the idea that like somebody's first day, I would just be like, yeah, 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 you close it up. Who cares? We're all good. <laughs> just like just the closing procedure of counting registers. Yes. Like yeah. all that shit is so stressful. Like I've worked, I worked in retail for like over a decade and all like, it took me like months to even get it right. The yeah. first, yeah. the amount of times that I had have had to double, triple quadruple check a till after somebody who has worked there for a long time and normally closes can't get, it's just like, ugh. but I guess it's the nineties and who cares? Hellish work. Also everyone out there that works retail, you are a blessing and a gift from God and I am sorry for everything that you deal with on a daily basis. Yeah. It is hell. So um, I noticed a couple times Pacey uh, commenting on Andy's wealth. Yeah. There's definitely mm-hmm. a, the, there's a, you know, a Romeo and Juliet type thing. Well, is that? The, anyway, there's yeah, definitely yeah. like a, a, you know, like a battle of the classes going on here between Pacey and Andy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm kind of wondering like, wh- 
Jack and Rose. Thank you. Mm, yeah. That's better. Titanic. I'm kind of wondering where that's going to go. Yeah. The country club. Yeah. I wonder if we'll. Pacey's going to get invited to the country club and he's going to. I don't know, have like one of those clown flowers on his shirt that squirts ketchup on somebody and he's going to think it's really funny. I mean, yeah, it's a tale as old as time. It's like the class differences of people that are dating. It's it's always uh, pretty impactful. Look at The Notebook, everyone's favorite uh, weepy sad movie. We True. got Jack and Rose from Titanic. Oh, Satella, are you I, crying I already? I don't want to talk about either <laughs> of those movies. <laughs> Is that also an issue in everyone's favorite Christian movie, A Walk to Remember? I feel like oh, there's like a class thing there too a little bit. I don't know. I I did. Is it? Oh no no. It's it's later actually where um where Abigail tells Jennifer that uh, Joey is white trash or something like that. I thought that was Andy in this moment, yeah. but no, Andy's better than that. Um, I did really like this whole banter between Andy and Pacey, where she's talking about how when she's nervous, she clams up. Yeah, and yeah. she's like, "You haven't stopped talking since I met you." Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that whole interaction was really cute. They have, yes, yeah, they have great chemistry. Mm-hmm. Speaking of great chemistry, when Pacey is just walking along the wharf <laughs> and enjoy, I am so confused because there are so many people here and so many boats. Yes. <laughs> are they all here for Pacey's birthday? Did Pacey just throw his birthday party in the middle of the mall? And we're just say like, it was you know his what birthday. I mean? He said he, it's a party it's a, and no, so he didn't okay. frame it as a birthday. No, I'm just saying, yeah, you know, know it, but, yeah, so it's like, it's like, it's like a par- peer party. Yeah. So it's probably like, oh yeah, let's go party. You know, I mean, lots of people. Weird. I mean, like, let's all think back for when we were teenagers and we desperately wanted to drink alcohol and yeah. possibly hook exactly. up with people, right? Like you were desperate to find yeah. that party. Right. And this is when we had cell phones. Can you imagine 1998? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're like, okay, where's the party at? And there's a giant flyer that says big peer party. You're like, true. of course I'm going to go to that. That's my one thing. Yeah. Gotta go have that funky beer. <laughs> yeah. That ADR was so funny. Do y- yeah. y'all know what I'm talking about? A lot of about? wink, like whack, whack, wink. Any, any guesses as to ADR? what the actor a- actually said in that? Ooh, no. Did you know? Uh-uh. I think, she, I think she said this is flat because she really hits the mm-hmm. flat like mouth yeah. motion. And I think it just either didn't pick up or they thought it didn't translate, so they changed it to funky. funky. I picked so weird. up the audio clip. For people who don't know, this is what we're talking about. Let's let's take a quick listen. Hey, ladies. You having a good time? This is funky. <laughs> so he Pacey's walking up and down the wharf. He finds these people. He asks them that question. She kind of rolls her eyes at him and then says, this is funky, and pours it in the water. <laughs> And he takes it so hard. Poor Pacey. He's like, uh. so did he provide the drinks? I'm confused. I don't <laughs> yeah, understand. I, don't <laughs> I did really like immediately after that, those people kind of like run into him yeah. and they laugh. And he's, he's like, like <laughs> yeah, funny. he's like, that's so funny. Yeah. And he makes this really charming <laughs> face. Just like, I feel like I keep falling more and more in love with him. He's the best. Yeah. Yeah. How, how far we've come. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Also, this seems like a missed opportunity for. We still have yet to meet Dawson's dad, or Dawson. We haven't met Pacey's dad, oh, who's man. the chief of police. And it's like small town, one pier, everyone's getting drunk and they're all children. Yeah. It's like, yeah. what, where are the cops? Where's yeah. Dougie right. at the very least? If this, yeah. if this is Lake like Oswego, Oregon, if someone <laughs> cracks open a beer and they're oh under gosh. 21, they said the SWAT team. So, like, what? And this is like, I don't know, a similar kind of town. It's like affluent. Like, you'd right. think mm-hmm. that all the cops would be there. And. 
you know, presumably this wharf is attached to some kind of yacht club or boat club. So, you know, the upper crust isn't too far off from this. And we have what we see, you know, visibly hammered, like trashed teenagers in Jen and Abby who are falling over themselves. So sloppy drunk. Where, where is any, where are any adults? You know what the my my favorite thing about this entire party is is uh, not the drunk kids, uh, not the party people, not everyone dancing in their bathing suits. My favorite thing are the two bros with the squirt guns, <laughs> yes. super <everyone>. soakers. <laughs> they, uh, I know they're supposed yeah. to be playing teenagers, but they clearly look thirty years old, <laughs> and uh, I just love the idea of like, yeah, bro, get him. Yeah. <laughs> That's if. Cody, if you and I lived in Capeside and we heard about some pesky teenagers throwing a party on the, the wharf, <laughs> we would pull out the squirt guns and we would go pester them and squirt them all covered in water. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, just, so. I just like love the idea of including like bros with squirt guns. Yeah. It's so funny. That's on my LinkedIn page. It says bro a squirt gun. <laughs> we should move to Capeside so we could be those guys. Those guys. Those guys. Those guys. Those guys. Uh-oh. Last episode, we had the, it's not about the first kiss, it's about the second kiss. And this episode, we have, it's not about the first fight, it's about the first mm, makeup. Yeah. What do you think the next one's going to be? First sex, second sex? <laughs> <laughs> it's not about your first sex. <laughs> hmm. Second date? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, they haven't had their second date. I mean, the, would you even consider the Rialto their first date because nope. it came no, crashing down? No, it wasn't even down. a full date. Yeah, yeah. yeah. true. Um, I, jumping ahead a little bit, the time where we see Dawson uh, confront Pacey about like, what's going on? Yeah. Um, Pacey lists like all these things yeah. of like, you're not really my friend. You don't know the answer to any of these questions uh-huh. that are like. I have that clip. Do you want to hear it yes, real quick? Yes, please, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was sp- like, I hope we get the answers to these questions. Yes. The fact that they're bringing it up, but let's take a listen. Okay, you know everything about me, huh? You know how I got this scar on my cheek? Or the real reason my father hates me? Or why I ride the fine line between insecurity and supreme self-confidence? Because, correct me if I'm wrong, Dawson, you don't know the answer to any of those questions. In fact, I bet you don't even know when I was born. You want to know how I got these scars? It's <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I can think of. <laughs> That almost like a little bit gave me chills. A totally. Bit. Yeah. It's just yeah. like, man. What, thinking of the Joker. It's, uh, <laughs> it's interesting because we don't know any of that about Pacey either. And we've yeah. been like wanting to know more about him. So it's like, he's dangling it in front of us. Like, yeah. give us more, you mm-hmm. know? It's, Please. Yeah. Please daddy. <laughs> we want more. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Pacey because I mean, it was, I, I feel you Stella. like it was powerful to hear him finally say that kind of stuff because i bet he's been harboring those feelings for so long and finally he's recognizing them that he's just been second fiddle to dawson this whole time and we all want to do that to those people who just take our friendships for granted right so i was like fuck mm-hmm. yes Pacey, yeah. finally yeah. And, and i think cody you were saying earlier like you know i can't remember if that was earlier today when you talk about um we don't have any evidence of like the friendship where <laughs> where where um Pacey is like this quote unquote sidekick and how, yeah, we don't have any evidence of the, this like friendship and this kind of like addresses that of like, yeah, maybe they actually aren't best friends. This is where, uh, Jen says to Abby, you're on sister friends Yes, she does. (laughs) where they're, you know, having fun buzzed. (laughs) Yeah. Jen's looking super cute in that dress. Mm -hmm. 
I love that dress. I mean, I know that they're young, they're kids, they're 15 or 16 or whatever, but how are they this drunk off of half a bottle of champagne? Not even half. They've split. Yeah, right. Speaking (laughs) as an alcoholic, uh, the first thing that I noticed is like, oh, they've only drank about like a fifth of that bottle. Like, why are they so drunk? Like, and then she says like three, what is it? It takes three glasses for her to be as wild and crazy as she is. It's like, you didn't drink three glasses. If she also drank three glasses, like that bottle Mm. would be halfway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this, in this interaction, we kind of see Abby stand up for Jen, like when she shoves Dawson and is like, nice work, Romeo. Um, and there's like this moment where Jen looks so embarrassed and Abby looks like hurt for her. So I thought, I don't know. Yeah. It was confusing though, because Abby knows that Dawson and I mean, I assume Abby knows that Dawson and Joy are together. So why is she like pushing him for telling Jen to stop? Like... (laughs) It was, it was a strange yeah. I thought it was one of the, I mean, one of those things that only happens in TV, right? Yeah. Best intentions, worst outcome yeah. possible. Well. I think it's time for us to go pee all over the place again. What was, we're going to go back to the same spot. The what final- I had said is that we, the Creek Freaks, and you, the Creek Freaks, we're all going to go pee all <laughs> over the place during this commercial break. I love you. Bye. <laughs> And we're back. Finally, Dawson and Joey lock eyes amongst the party crowd in the rain and slow motion walk toward each other to embrace for how long it took. Nobody knows. They find a secluded area where Dawson admits to being an all around dick for forgetting Casey's birthday (laughs) and reading her diary. Joey tells him the truth that she was just lashing out in her diary, reacting for having felt being friend zoned in the past and confirms that she adores him and his passions being his biggest fan. He admits to loving, not knowing everything about her because she amazes him every day. And then they make out eventually leading to Dawson later asking if she'll be good to walk home alone because he needs to talk to Macy (laughs) watching all of this while hurling. Jen admits to Abby that she's still in love with Dawson and wants him back. Abby promises to help Jen on this quest, although puzzled as to why Jen even wants him in the first place. When Jen is home alone later, she stares in a mirror in disgust, possibly wondering the same thing. Meanwhile, while Pacey sulks it by his lonesome, Andy shows up with a birthday present, admitting it's a re-gift from an old Christmas present meant for her brother. It ends up being a magic eight ball. And after Pacey asks for some predictions, Andy drops it into the water on her turn. Pacey laments about being directionless, but Andy reaffirms that it's okay to not have a clue. After a moment of consideration, Pacey tells her that they're both deep people. (laughs) Later, as Dawson helps Pacey clean up after the party, Pacey forgives him and tells him he'll miss what their friendship had been before he and Joey began dating. And Dawson affirms that they'll be best friends no matter what. (sighs) As they jump into Dawson's boat to go home, Dawson suggests over ADR that they should go to Maine right then and there before finally wishing him a happy birthday. And across town in the almost forgotten B-plot, Mitch brings up the idea of <laughs> having an open marriage to Gail, who doesn't know how to respond. I feel like I, going into recording today, I liked this episode a lot more. And as I the know. more yeah. we talk about it, I'm like, maybe I don't like yeah. this as much as I thought I did. Am I too cynical for this podcast? I feel like no. everyone at the beginning was just like, yeah, this is a pretty good one. And then I said I didn't like it as much as everyone else. And I could see everyone's faces droop. <laughs> My apologies. No, I think, I mean, it's it's one of those things that like you, I liked it in theory, but the more that I examined it, the more I realized that the reason I like it is really because of the proximity to my own personal life, having gone through this whole like, you know, 
violation of trust type mm-hmm. thing, having it feel personal to me makes it feel like a good episode. But then when we talk about it, I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. Actually, there's a lot of weird shit in here that doesn't quite make sense. And the this act really, I think, summarizes that well because it feels like a return to season one where they're just like, yeah, what are we going to do now? Um, uh, she forgives him. Yep, she forgives him. And not only that, we're reminded once again that Dawson is a perfect boy. Yes. This, this show can't go an episode without a character reminding us that Dawson mm-hmm. is a special, perfect, beautiful boy. Yeah, as Joey says, you're the most extraordinarily talented person I've ever met. Capeside is small. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I personally got very frustrated and upset when jo- when Joey says, though I don't owe you an explanation... And then she pro- proceeds to an ex- give an explanation, yes. and it and most of her explanation is like almost like self-flagellating. Like yeah. it's almost like you know, I it's my fault that I have these feelings. You know, mm-hmm. it it just feels like this show took a step. It feels like this episode was written in season one, mm-hmm. and they were like, ooh. Um, Let's just throw this one in there. I think I, we can revisit this plot maybe. Yeah. I do love that Joey said, it was wrong of you to go inside my head and yes. take my thoughts and feelings without my consent. Yes. That yeah. Was yeah. The best That's a line. good lesson. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there were multiple times where Joey was very eloquent very. with um, being like honest and direct with Dawson. Mm-hmm. I appreciated yes. that. Speaking of being honest... Mitch and Gail mm-hmm. and Mitch basically just being like, um, I want an open marriage. <laughs> We've got to open this thing up. Yeah. It's so weird to me. Like one that Gail keeps trying to seduce him. It's like, clearly that's yeah. not working. No. Yeah. What's the phrase? Like if you keep doing it over, over uh, and over again and expect different results, like, yeah. come on Gail. Yeah. So that peeved me. And then just it, I find it really hard to believe that Mitch is like, for some reason, like it just like puts a little switch, like, oh yeah, this is the answer. Open marriage. Yeah. Like yeah. it's so confusing. I, I I don't I don't understand the logic here, and I don't know that necessarily we're supposed to. But I mean, I get that hurt people are looking for an answer and you maybe, you know, whatever. But it, it just feels very reactionary for, for Mitch to go have this one conversation and now he's like, yeah, um, so let's open up our marriage. Yeah, let's, let's go ahead and do this. Well, I mean, we've talked about it. Like, we, uh, they're kind of defined as uh, they're not very emotionally intelligent and they're very shallow people and be that are they just shallowly written as characters or is this actually who they are? And I think it is actually who they are. The fact that, I mean, yeah, he talks to one person and just goes, well, I guess that's what I have to do instead of like doing any kind of other like research. I don't know what that would even look like. And same thing with Gail just being like, well, I had that conversation with Grams that says like, you should do whatever it takes to keep a, yeah. Wait, what? No, just that. Oh, it's yeah. Just like it's funny just, that that's. <laughs> I just hope there's more later that that's like not, it's just that. And then they have an open marriage or next few episodes, are we going to see them yeah. talking that out more? I don't know. It's hard to tell. I was happy about the continuity that Mitch is still reading Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah I was going to say the, that too. The book, like, exactly. Definitely, yeah. I, I now can't get it out of my head that that's what he's reading. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, just love, I just love the idea of him just being like, Gail, holy shit, can I tell you about Quidditch? Yeah. <laughs> And also, he's uh, when he wears those glasses. It, I just cannot get it out of my head that it's. Um, it looks like uh, Terry Hatcher and Dean Cain and uh, <laughs> uh, Lois and Clark, The Adventures of Superman, because <laughs> like he just looks like Clark Kent. Yeah, he really does. 
I mentioned the music earlier in this uh, in our episode here, and in this scene, which we're talking about right now, Mitch talking to Gail. Um, this scene has some of this strange music that I that I love. Listen to this. Wait, you don't think that's a skeleton <laughs> playing the bones? That might be a skeleton playing some bones. I love it though. It's so like mystical and intriguing. <laughs> I feel like we're walking into like an alchemist laboratory and I can see a bubbling <laughs> cauldron and a little frog go ribbit, you know, like Harry Potter. Oh, oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that the music has transitioned away from the melodrama esque kind of stuff of twin peaks. And now we're yes. going to this like weird, uh, magic. I don't know. <laughs> How about the sequence where they, uh, Dawson and Joey find each other on the pier. And it's oh like, my gosh. gosh. Very cinematic, but it goes on for way too way long. Way too long. Also, Joey is completely dry, like completely until they're sitting next to each other. And then she's sopping. So <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because while it looked slow motion to us as they're slowly walking <laughs> to each other, actually that was real time. And <laughs> they just slowly got soaked because they were just like, stutter stepping in slow motion. Yeah, I just want to know, was this supposed to be like epic at the time? Like, Oh yeah. It's like the notebook. Like if you were watching yeah. this and it was like, oh, this is so, you know, like they found each understand. other. It's so cheesy. So but it's cheesy. like they don't even have a big smooch. It's like no. they just like kind of like slightly. They, they hug. Yeah, it's like a slightly embrace. Yeah. Like, weird yeah. half hug. It makes me think of the new Netflix movie that came out, You People, with Jonah Jonah Hill, mm-hmm. yes, um, in which they have a uh, CGI kiss. Oh, I at heard the about end. that. Yes, oh. and it is because there's some, you know, there's some um, conjecture that maybe the stars didn't have as much chemistry as mm. the movie required, so they had to CGI this kiss. And that's kind of how I felt about this scene here, where I was like, "Wow, so they really don't have <laughs> chemistry here?" Because this is an epic. It's like we're talking about. It's a big epic scene. The notebook, he picks her up and they kiss in the rain. And then in Dawson's Creek, they kind of like touch each other's <laughs> cheek and they're like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's very odd. I'm trying to like devil's advocate here. It's like, are, are they trying to say that their relationship is so strong that they don't need the love language of touch for them to reconnect? It's just like them being in each other's presence means that like everything is okay and that's all they need. That's supposed to be like more... I don't know. Then it makes me think like, is this like some family values bullshit? Like mm. they're trying to be like, like see kids, like you don't have to make out. Uh, ooh, that is because this. Yeah, but then they're making out like forever later. That's true. Never <laughs> <Yeah>. mind. <laughs> I don't know. I got nothing. Kids, you don't have to open up your relationships to solve your problems. All you have to do is stand next to each other in the rain and just yes. kind of ogle. <laughs> and I, I, we already, you alluded to it in, in your act summary, Cody, but I love that after, you know, they kind of make up and they talk about it. He's like, so you're good getting yourself home, right? Like, can I, can I buy you an Uber? <laughs> it almost, I mean, we've talked about this like so much, like we, how we, much more of this would make sense for this to be like a, a show about like someone coming out and like yeah. you're actually gay and what that means. And it really felt like this could have been that because when Pacey and Dawson are talking and they're like, are we having a moment? But of yeah. course it's that 90s mm-hmm. bro thing of like, yeah, like let's go play laser tech. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck having an emotional uh, conversation yeah. with one of your friends. Um, instead, let's just like bro out and go to Maine, whatever yeah. that means. Yeah. <laughs> um, you saying an Uber made me think of what if they had a boat Uber service? Ooh. 
that'd be super cool. We're going to cut this out of the episode because that yeah. is a million billion trillion dollar idea. <laughs> yes. What's that city? Is it in uh, Italy that is all Venice? canals? Venice. 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 Yes. Thank you. They have, I guess yeah, they kind of have that there. Yeah, because there's yeah. the 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 man with the straw hat and the mustache yes. who the sings. Shirt. Yes. Yeah, yep. and he paddles for you. Maybe we can just bring them here. So over to Jen and Abby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, another thing I'm not loving so far this season was um, so in the previous season we see Jen and Joey like have this friendship that's blooming and this just feels really shitty like Jen being like well they're not gonna have sex because Dawson just sees her as a sister and like Mm -hmm. just like felt like trash trash talking and yeah made me sad for Joey yeah yeah I mean I get it on the one hand you know she stole my man but on the other hand um, the boy's mine that that (laughs) boy's mine but on the other hand like you're right. They kind of went through some shared shit and it felt like they were forging a relationship and to sit idly by, I know she's hammered drunk, but to sit idly by while Abby's like, she's white trash or whatever. It's just kind of like, yeah, ee, like, come on, can't we yeah. say something or do, yeah. you know, have a, I don't know. Yeah. That was disappointing. And like, and Jen, I don't know. I feel like Jen is acting like so, I don't know, surprised is the right word about this whole relationship, but it's like, you saw this whole thing build up. Mm-hmm. Like you knew it was going to happen. And, and now she's saying she's in love with Dawson and wants yeah. him back. And, it's and like, you had your relationship, which I think we can all be like is, was clearly not super great. I mean, nobody's first relationship yeah. I guess is, but like you guys broke up for a reason. It's like, she's forget, but that also feels very relatable to a teen. Mm-hmm. Teens want what they can't have. Right. And she made a choice. And now that the option is off the table, it's easy to, for her to, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. obsess over it, but it's very, I don't know. I, I just find it a little bit strange that the most impactful thing that we've ever seen happen to Jen in her character's trajectory, which is the death of her grandfather. We're, we're, it's gone. We have already forgotten about it. You know, it's not being, I mean, I know that's like potentially why she is acting this way, but it's kind of like the show is already trying to be like, yeah, like "Mm." no one's checking like her friend, like Pacey or Dawson or Joe. No one's like, Hey, like, how are you? Yeah. Are you doing okay? Yep. The only reference we got was Graham saying, Mr. Ryan. (laughs) I mean, even Graham's has forgotten about it too. It's, you know, (laughs) she's like singing (laughs) to Jen. (laughs) Everything's great. Praise the Lord. Oh, did you have something to say? No. Okay. Um, another thing, <laughs> you look like you were going to a second ago. Um, I don't know if anyone else noticed this, but throughout the episode, Jen was doing this really weird thing with her teeth and lips. Yeah. Where she I kept being that. like a, a little yeah. like, yes. a it's little the, like, like biting the lip. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, she did it yeah, a it's lot. too much. Too she much. was, do- I think she got a note from the studio or somebody gave some notes while they were filming to make it more, provocative or I don't know like what, what I don't is know, that because I, I initially noticed it when Abby pulls out the bottle of imported bubbly and Jen is like <laughs> <laughs> like she does like the direction oh, in my head exactly <laughs> that's that's it felt like they were like they did the first take and she probably had her natural reaction and then they're like um no be more like you're nervous and excited and she's like okay yeah. <laughs> um I will have a uh, open mouth and go hey <laughs> And they're like, yeah, let's do that, but again. 
you know? Just bite your lip a little. It's like her go-to move for something being salacious yeah. is yeah. Uh, mouth movement. Yep. <laughs> well, that's what I, I'm always biting my lip at people and, <laughs> and chewing on it and in conversations and work meetings. I'm like, Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> I think the most realistic thing about this entire episode though, was it, within the sequence of Jen and Abby puking and talking about all this shit. Uh, Jen does admit like I'm in love yes. with Dawson yeah. and Abby just goes, God, why? Yeah. <laughs> I love that line. God, why? That's when uh, Abigail, as she's now known, uh, won me back. I was like, oh yeah, she's great. Yeah. Yeah. The delivery on that was perfect. Mm -hmm. So Abby says in in that kind of time that she's going to get them back together. Yeah. She's going to help Jen get Dawson back. Yeah. So yeah, I I think it kind of like solidifies like, okay, these two are like two peas in a pod now. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to get up to no good. Mm -hmm. They're going to tear the town up. Yeah, and, and then I, you know, we see that shot of Jen looking at herself in the uh, mirror, yeah. and mm. yeah, I'm curious what you guys thought about that. Yeah, I think she, I read it as she's kind of getting honest with herself and realizing that she's just sad. Like, mm. mm-hmm. why? Why is she doing all this? What is, does she really love Dawson? Like, what? You know, that's that was my read on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's her sad reflection. She's seeing herself, so. Well, uh, I think reflections are really big in this entire episode because mm-hmm. not only do we get Jen uh, looking in the mirror, uh, I think it's almost right after that there's the sequence with Andy and Pacey and the way that that shot ends is that it, the camera tilts down to the water and we see the reflection there and then that blends into a shot of Dawson and Joey's reflection in the water yep. and then the camera tilting up to see them. And I mean, historically, if you're looking at like... Uh, self-reflection yeah symbolism in cinematography it's self-reflection but it's also like your dual identities like the two different people that you can be obviously we see that with jen looking in the mirror and she's obviously like who am i like i've become this other person clones um clones there we go um (laughs) but i've I've become this other person to get dawson back and she doesn't know like who her true identity is uh because either version of them is not working mm-hmm. to get Dawson but then also it it makes me wonder about how like Pacey's identity crisis with the last episode and this one too it's who who am i really the further he goes away from himself i mean that's the further he loses himself and whereas Andy is saying you need to be who you truly are he doesn't even know who that is whereas this is where it gets a little muddled but i don't really know what that means for Dawson and Joey are they kind of playing into their own fatalism of what they believe like oh this was the natural trajectory of a relationship at least joey like has had a crush on dawson i and dawson it took a really long time for him to get to that point too to realize that but is it also is dawson only viewing the relationship as something that is cinematic is he like oh well this just makes sense because i already know everything about you so of course we're in love like does he actually believe that i don't know so that, I mean, the, the, I mean, I'm grasping at straws here, just trying to read into the symbolism of what the cinematography. I mean, that's it, good cinematography should be adding right. a layer to the storytelling. So, those other things make sense to me. Uh, Dawson and Joey, not so much. I don't really know. We'll see. Yeah, I, I mean, she definitely seems sad. I was kind of wondering, like, if she was feeling any regret about her yeah. actions over the course of the evening, like, because it, it just seems so, um, yeah, not her to. Like we've never seen her act like this, um, so I wonder if she's like feeling any kind of shame. Totally. Um, yeah, it kind of, you know, I could read that in in her performance that she's like, 
you know, she moved here for a reason to get away from that, right? Ostensibly was to get away from that kind of lifestyle. Maybe she thought, oh, you know, let's try something to make me feel better. But then she's still left mm-hmm. with those same feelings at the end of it. That's got to make it feel so much worse. Yeah. Um, so poor Jen, she is in such a dark place right now with like, I don't think the best network around her, right? Like Abby is there. That's not a good influence. And then there's Grams. um i i know we like talked briefly about the pacey and andy scene with the eight ball but i really like just the the moment where andy says maybe you're the guy that he's still figuring himself out Mm -hmm. um just thought that was like a really sweet genuine moment yeah i love the use of the eight ball in this scene um especially when andy has it she loses her grip and i thought it was a great example of show don't tell because Mm -hmm. you really can't predict anything Mm -hmm. You know, and you know she gave it to Pacey, but he you can't predict he can't predict what's going to happen to him. Yeah. So yeah, I like that. I oh, oh and ju- I mean morality tale stuff. Like this is where I think like oh this is a really uh, strong message for kids that are watching. Is like it's okay to not know who you want to be and who you are. Because I know I remember like being fifteen years old and being like being so scared of college and the idea of like, I have to decide like who I'm supposed to be yeah. like in a couple of years. Like that's so scary. So, and obviously I did not know who I was in high school. I was a class clown and a ding dong uh, still kind of <laughs> am though. But I, uh, I, I just love that uh, we get to live through Pacey and being like, it's okay to not know who you are and it's okay uh, to just learn as you go. Cause that's yeah. what life is. Yeah. And I think James, you were saying earlier, like, I can't remember what you said. Something about Pacey like feeling the most um, authentic. Authentic, yeah. And this mm-hmm. like in this moment, it's like yeah, that's the most relatable thing I think of just like not knowing who you are, feeling like no one cares about yeah. you. Yeah, I, I think you know this episode. What I like about this episode, I know we're not in ratings here, but what I like about this episode is that we're kind of seeing the same problem being worked from multiple different angles and multiple different viewpoints. Because at the core of it, you know, like we've already talked about, everybody's at a crossroads in their relationship and everybody's kind of talking about the same thing from different angles, right? They're all talking about honesty, right? If we go back to Mitch and Cole, it's about honesty. You have to open up your relationship to get honesty, to have truth, to be true for who you are. And, you know, Dawson and Joey, Dawson is angry about Joey not being truthful with him about how she really feels. And then with Pacey and Andy, Andy is giving him the speech of basically, you need to be true to yourself. It's the only way that you're really going to be happy. And it's interesting, in my opinion, that the one right answer here is in the one relationship that isn't actually a relationship, Mm. right? They're just friends. There's no stakes. There's nobody's getting anything out of this outside of just the platonic friendship and maybe the, the potential um, but it's interesting that the best example, the best you know story, the best summary, the best lesson is coming from the class clown who everybody mm-hmm. hates and the new girl who is, you know, a country club yeah. <laughs> classist person. And it's interesting too because they're they're the two people that barely know that know yeah. each other the yes. least out of anyone, and they're the most honest yes. to each other. Yeah, so, and what? Yeah, and I think to your point, Mal, about the the magic eight ball getting lost. It's interesting that they don't need an artifice to talk to each other and get to know each other. They're willing to just have a conversation. Yeah. Unlike Dawson who thinks you don't need to have a conversation. I know everything there is to know about you because I'm so smart. And Mitch who just wants to fuck somebody else. I think (laughs) that's, that's going to solve it. Well, I think that brings us to the end of the episode, which brings us to our ratings and recommendations. Who'd like to go first? I'll go. Okay. 
I'm going to give it a 3.5. I think I would have gone for a four if it wasn't for Dawson's lack of development. Um, But I was, I'm happy with the trajectory that Pacey is on and his development with Andy. Um, Feeling sad for Jen still though, that we just end with her wanting Dawson back. And I hate to think that we're going to, that's going to continue for a little bit. Um, uh, But I'm also excited uh, for what's in store for Jack's character. It's fun to see some new characters. So yeah, 3.5. I have also given this a 3.5. It's honestly like a fine episode. Uh, It's not great, but not terrible by any means. Uh, I, you know, as I had said before, I'm pleasantly surprised that this diary reading situation was wrapped up this episode as rushed as it was. I'm just glad we're not gonna have to follow that for four or five, six episodes like we would have done in season one. Um, But as Mal said, like, I do not care for the Dawson storyline. It's not that interesting. I love what we're getting with Pacey. Even Mitch and Gail seems kind of interesting. And uh, while it is upsetting that Jen's current trajectory right now is Dawson related, I am kind of excited to see Michelle Williams is given new material. Like yeah. this is like mm-hmm. something new for her to work with. And I like the idea of her kind of becoming a bad girl. I don't really know if that is what this is supposed to mean, but um, at least it's better than her just crying all the time. Like I'd rather see her cause a tornado instead of right. just weeping. So um, as much as it sucks that the, the reasoning why we're getting a new performance out of uh, an extreme talent, uh, that, that that reason kind of sucks. Like it could be cool. could be interesting. I don't know. I'm going to give this one a four. Initially I had thought it would be a little bit higher, but um yeah, like I said, after talking through it, I feel not as great about it. But um, I did love the new characters. I loved like some of the references back to season one. Um, I liked the honesty and development of some relationships between Pacey and Andy and Joey and Jack. Um, yeah, I like I said, it made me really excited for what's to come. Like I just feel like this was like a launching off point for like a lot of things to happen, a lot of new stories um, and conflicts. So yeah. Sensing a theme. Um, I'm going to give this episode a 3.63. I initially was thinking that I was going to give this higher, but as I've talked about previously, I use a highly scientific, super mathematical, multivariable rating calculator and that's just what it says so the numbers don't lie just like my hips and uh that's just the way it is so 3.63 recommendation time i'll go first since i went last um so this week i am going to give a recommendation with a little bit of a twist it's gonna be something maybe a little bit blasphemous i'm sorry please nobody write me angry emails but i'm gonna write recommend a different television show And it's not Dawson's Creek related at all. Did King Gizzard start a TV show? Oh, man, I wish. Um, The show is called The Traders, and it is on Peacock. You can go watch it now. The full season is available. They just released the uh, reunion show. Um, But I'll give you a quick little summary. It's hosted by Alan Cumming, and it takes 20 real people, places them in a castle in Scotland, and every episode they are competing in different types of challenges to try to earn up to $250,000. The challenges are kind of interesting. Like, they have to... Um, solve a puzzle while being buried under the like six feet underground in dirt. Um, they have to kind of do like escape room type stuff. And they also have to do physical challenges. It's really, really interesting. But the twist of it all is that among the 20 people, three of these people are traitors. 
They are trying to manipulate everybody else, uh, vote out the strong people, um, and make it to the end because if they make it to the end, they win all the money. Every night they get to kill uh, they're not really killing anybody, but they get to kill one player um, to to weaken out the faithful, and then the faithful vote on who they think might be a traitor. The catches, of course, with only three and twenty, their odds are very low, so they more often are voting out people who are on their side rather than people who are actually traitors. So it's a really interesting show. It's really fun. I think it's uh, for, great for people who are fans of you know the reality challenge shows. Um, the kind of social manipulation is really interesting, and it really puts that kind of on display. It's like Big Brother or Survivor, but more direct with the way it deals with manipulation. And it's interesting because it's really talking mostly about using loyalty against or for you. And, you know, loyalty, ironically enough, is also the name of one of my very favorite King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard songs <laughs> of, of the 2017 album Polygon Dwana Land, in which they talk about the internal monologue of an individual who believes that they are a god dealing with an insurrection of people rejecting their will. So I think you should actually check that out instead. Bam, bam, bam. Uh, I didn't ask you this when you were telling me about that show initially, but how's Alan coming as a host? I love him. Yeah, he's interesting. He um, Watch it for his fashion. His fashion is pretty amazing. I think he is clearly having a really fun time, and it's hard not to enjoy it from that side of things. But as a, you know, we've watched a lot of reality shows together and separately. The host can do a lot for a show. And sometimes he annoys the fuck out of me. If I'm, if I'm being completely honest, because he's taking, he's enjoying his role a little too much. That's fair. Cause he is a, a very large personality. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And he is, he, I mean, which is great. They're giving him license to be as big as he wants. And Hey, you know what? Fucking do it. But his be, outfits are insane. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> they're amazing. It's funny. Every time I think about Alan Cumming, I think of uh, his performance in the Kubrick movie, Eyes Wide Shut. He's only in that movie for maybe five minutes, but when I think of him in that movie, it's like so big, and it's like anything that he's in, I feel like he's always doing that. Yeah. I'll go. Yay. My turn. Um, I'm going to recommend a podcast called Bone Valley. Yeah. Uh, it is a true crime podcast about a murder that took place in 1987 of this 18-year-old female named Michelle Schofield. Um, She was recently married uh, to Leo Schofield. He was accused of the murder. He's been behind bars since. Um, He claims his innocence. And it's the story of, of him being wrongfully accused. It's fucking heartbreaking and uh you know i I have i think one or two episodes left and i've been listening to it for a while it's just like taking me a while to get through because it just makes me so mad um but it's it's really good it's really really good it's hosted by a man named gilbert king i had never heard of him before um but he does he does a great job highly recommend uh, so the day before this recording, uh, was the 20th anniversary of this record, which is why it's my recommendation. And that record is the Magnolia Electric Cove from the Jason Molina project songs, Ohio. Anyone? <laughs> okay. Uh, for those not in the know, it's often hailed as one of those like American indie essentials, like Nutrimilk hotels in the airplane over the sea or the microphones, the globe part two. And while those 
latter albums were like very formative to me as like a high schooler. Uh, I didn't come to uh, Magnolia Electrico until this past year, and it's one of those kinds of records where like within the first minute you just know it's something extraordinarily special. I describe the sound of it as like very dark Americana. It's very rooted in roots music and country music, but it's very much like a sound of its own too. Uh, Melina's writing is extremely poetic and his delivery is so emotionally charged. It's somehow like beautifully fragile. Um, I can't get through a full listen without choking up. It's really, really beautiful. And Melina died in 2013. So I'm pretty depressed that I will never see any of his work live. Uh, the record is produced by my favorite album producer, Steve Albini, who did Nirvana's In Utero, Surfer Rosa from Pixies, Breeders, Title TK, PG Harvey's Rid of Me, et cetera, et cetera. So it has like that very warm and inviting sound that actually sounds like you're in the room while the band mm. is playing live. Um, yeah, if you're like a fan of like sad core, uh, like Lowe <laughs> or Elliot Smith or like Galaxy 500, like you should definitely check this album out. Um, favorites are the opener Farewell Transmission, um, which is just like an incredible banger. And uh, like reading about the making of this record, uh, Melina was with, I don't know how true this is. I've only read on the internet, but like Melina's with a bunch of studio musicians and they'd only gone over the song like a few times and they recorded the entire track the one that ended up on the record live. Mm. And I guess like even during it, like they kind of like recognize like, oh, holy shit, like this is this is the one. And uh, I guess Albini like ran and like opened a door to like change the acoustics. Like wow. in the middle of like the sound, and it really sounds like it's like always building up to something. It's um, That's cool. It's extraordinary. So please, like if you have not checked that album out and you like uh, sad cowboy shit, <laughs> uh, the Magnolia Electrico from Songs Ohio is for you. Get into it. My turn. Um, I am going to recommend a live feed on YouTube of a bald eagle nest called Big Bear Bald Eagle Live Nest Cam hosted by friends of Big Bear Valley. I don't know if anyone has heard about this. It's been a little bit on the news, in bird news. news. Um, But this particular Ah! camera is positioned at a nest 145 feet up in a pine tree where two eagles, Jackie and Shadow, they've been named, um, have been incubating two eggs for or, for over 40 days and through the recent unusually harsh snowstorm that's happening in California. Um, have you seen this? No, no. So, okay. I'm so excited. Okay, so, um, so <laughs> the camera goes in and out of being like available because of the weather, but um, at this point, the eagle ex- experts are saying that they most likely won't hatch um, this time around, but they will continue to incubate for a little while longer. Um, and it's just super interesting to watch them do this together. It's like, mm-hmm. I've never seen anything like it. Um, yeah. And apparently, so apparently Jackie and Shadow have been active at this nest laying and incubating eggs since 2019. So it's been a while that they've, I think some have hatched, some haven't. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of been something that people go back to, you know, when they're active. And so it's, yeah, it's very cool. Has this live feed been going on since then? I believe so. That's amazing. Yes. Uh, actually, I think since before that, they, I think they have several live feeds up of, and they'll move them around because there have been other, mm-hmm. like, other eagles hatching in the area. So, um, and also apparently their feathers are waterproof and very thick. So the snow doesn't negatively affect them, even though it like seems like that, you know, they get buried in this snow on the, on these nests, but it's actually like kind of almost protective hmm. for them. So it's very intriguing. Well, Next time on Freaks and Creeks, we'll be talking about episode three, Alternative Lifestyle. A class assignment gives Jen a chance to win back Dawson as Pacey learns the truth about Andy's wealth. Dun dun. She started crypto. (laughs) Way before it was a thing. All right. Well, on that note, 
It's time for us to leave, so thank you all so much for listening. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe to our show and join us as we continue to set sail through Dawson's Creek one episode at a time. If you want more Freaks content, please visit our website, freaksandcreeks.com, and find us on Instagram at freaksandcreekspod. Or you can go ahead and write to us at show at freaksandcreeks.com. Until next time. Bye. 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 I love you.